Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? What wonderful episode! This is a uh, our first uh, musical guest. I know I was so wrong when I said that Rob Bell was our first non-comedian guest, but I'm pretty positive this is our first musician guest, exclusively a musician. And I'm so excited, Sarah Watkins. Such a great episode. Let's get these announcements out of the way so we can get into it. Uh, tour dates for me: I'm going to be at uh, the Aladdin Theater in Portland. That's coming up this weekend. That's June 28th, and then on the 29th, going to Seattle for one night at the Neptune Theater. Uh, July. 8th, I'm going to be in Los Angeles at the Troubadour for a live You Made It Weird. That's July 8th. Those are always so much fun. Uh, please come out to that at the Troubadour. July 11th at Tipitina's in New Orleans. July 12th, Fitzgerald's in Houston. July 13th, the Texas Theater in Dallas. And then Montreal, just for laughs, that's July uh, 24th through the 28th. Uh, there's going to be a live You Made It Weird up there as well. And then the last, Pete Holmes Living at Largo. That is July 30th here in Los Angeles as well. All those tour dates are on PeteHolmes.com. I should also say that Sarah Watkins recorded this episode right before she went on tour. You should go to Sarah, S-A-R-A, Watkins, W-A-T-K-I-N-S.com for tickets and information on that. Her new album, which blew me away, which is why I really wanted to do this interview, is called Sun, Midnight Sun. It's available on iTunes. We're going to play a track from that album one of my favorite songs of all time to get us started off here. And also she has a monthly show at Largo as well called the Watkins Family Hour. That's a monthly show. If you're in Los Angeles, go check that out as well. Uh, the song we're going to play is called You and Me. Uh, you're going to enjoy that in about two seconds. The sponsor's Amazon. Go to Nerdist.com. Go to this episode. Click on the banner and buy Sun Midnight Sun on Amazon. And then support the show and support this wonderful guest. That's it. Enjoy this track. It's called You and Me. The album is called Sun Midnight Sun. And the guest is Sarah Watkins. Ooh, I get to be like a DJ. Exciting. All right. All right. Enjoy. I remember the night. I remember the sun. I remember the light. When the moon came around. The night Since your valley sunshine, burn 
Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for being here. I'm really glad. I, oh, I brought you guys some oranges. You did? Um, my parents have tons of fruit trees, and they usually send me with, like, just bag, like bags and bags, but I, I have two. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good. <laughs> but usually they'll Report. have, like, when we play Largo, they'll have, my mom will bring, like, a whole Trader Joe's bag full of tangerines. Tons of oranges? Yeah, just, just tons of. I love that so much. The vegan place, which... These are new earphones. Are. I've been gone and everything's different. Did you bring your own now? Oh, right. I see. It's on the inside. Hey, there we go. I don't like it. I'm just kidding. Great job, Katie. I forgot that you probably picked them out. I just miss her. Look get at a, her headphones. Get though. Hers one. are nice and big. Yeah, she's got to have big ones because she's the, she's the technician. Thank you for this. Here's your little level. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's fun. Well, the, the I try and support this wonderful vegan place. I don't know why I call it wonderful, because all I do is shit on it on the show, but they're always closed. Well, they're not always closed. They're always for, taking forever, right. or they're closed, and today they were closed, and it's 10 a.m. Wake up, hippies! That's what I say. I, I know. I thought you'd think they'd be morning morning people. Me too. I'm never up this early. In fact, this is the earliest we've ever done the show. I really appreciate you accommodating no, me. My, no, uh, problem. I thought you were accommodating requirements. <laughs> okay, good. I honestly did. Weren't you? Weren't you? Why are we doing it so early? We're, well, we're doing it early because I'm leaving forever tomorrow. And oh, that's because, right. Because um, this was a good time, I think, for Katie as well. This is a good time this, for Katie. Uh, Katie uh, has re- a, the clocks off. What is going on? I don't like this. The space is different and wrong. A lot are you of one of those people who, like, if you go to? I say this because this is this is how I am. Okay. I go into a restaurant, and if I'm by myself. I I might try like two or three tables out before uh, before you can them. really settle in. Yeah, if it's I'm like, with people, I can just c- go commit. with it. Yeah, I can go with it. I'm fine. But what is it? It's like a dog spinning around a few times before he sits down. <laughs> I've never. I'll, I, I'll pick my dog's brain about that, and maybe we yeah. can really. Well, um, that, that goes. Yeah, I actually know that. Do you want to know a fun fact? I know please. about dogs. That goes back to their like wolfy ancestry when they were like snow wolves, or I call them you know snow wolves, uh-huh. and they would like pack down the snow before they sit down. So they would go in a circle a few times, makes sense, and then they'd sit down. But they still do it even though there's no snow. Well, coyotes do that too. If you go out to high grasses, you'll find like my parents. I grew up kind of a little bit, tiny bit outside of. Of, uh, of like, we didn't have sidewalks. It was a little bit country. and um, In California, high, though. Yeah, yeah. And um, just high grasses. You'd find these little beds where it's kind of swirly. We're a coyote? Mm-hmm, yeah. Or a UFO landed? Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe they're the same. Maybe <laughs> everything's been answered. Katie said she didn't want to go in the store because someone says it's haunted. Who says it's haunted? Ryan? Ryan. Some fellow that works here says it's haunted. Fella. And for some reason, when I... <laughs> I was just sitting here in that like what moved the brain top heavy Tim Burton alien brains can fall without reason I don't know why I'm going negative normally I want everything to be real and believe in it it's 10 a.m. that's why is it yeah don't you think I I think you're right like when you wake up you're a little bit more exposed a little bit more of a raw nerve and I'm just like everything's bullshit the earphones you're not a morning person that's what it is I think I'm I, I don't my mother always told me that I was are you I think parents say that because they want you to try to get you out of bed. <laughs> I think I'll tell you this: I do run off anxiety in the morning, so I tend to have an energy in the morning. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, we're both drinking coffee. This is a clumpy, clumpy thing. Yes. No, please don't feel feel, feel free to clump. Okay. Um, clump away. 
By the way, I was reading your Wikipedia page, and it says you're a fiddler. I know you play the fiddle, uh-huh. but every time I read fiddler, I laughed out loud. I think it's so funny. I think that's funnier than tromboner. Not not in the like in, in the erotic way, but every time I re- it said Sarah Watkins is a fiddler, I, it sounds like you're up to something. I just think that's really funny, doesn't it? Yeah. You're always fiddling. You're in the shed tinkering. Yeah. But it just means you play the fiddle. I'm obsessed with your, <laughs> just in case anyone was unclear on that, it just means you play the fiddle. I'm, I'm obsessed with your album. Uh, I love it so, so much. I got it after I saw you play, and I felt like such a fool. Cause I, so I do a live show in, at Largo here in Los Angeles, and you were the musical guest. Mm-hmm. But I don't book the musical guest because I don't know any musicians. Mm-hmm. So Flanny, the owner, books it, and he booked you. Mm-hmm. And then I watched you play with your brother, and I loved it. And then I bought your album, and then I became obsessed with it, and then I was awesome. like, "I'm a fool," because you were, you know, you were there. I would have enjoyed it even more if I had known like what a treat it was to have you there. But now, now I'm happy to see you again. It's fantastic. Thank you. It's so great. Do you know it's great? <laughs> I'm proud of it. Yeah, good. I am. I'm happy with it, I, and it's much easier to be proud of uh, or say that I'm proud of it because. Um, of the collaboration that happens when you make a record. You oh, know? there you it's go. Not, um, it's not just me. It's, right. Well, it was a really fun time. Uh, I, I made Blake Mills produced it and played a bunch of the instruments on it. And going into it, the goal was for uh, for it to be a band like Blake, me, and I wanted my brother Sean to have a big part of it because his guitar playing was is a um, he's the one I saw at Largo exactly mm-hmm. yeah and he's he was a big part of the first record and I really wanted there to be some continuity there in the sound and just. Your um, first record, which is a self-title, which I have to get. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I have Sun, Midnight Sun. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, and your name doesn't have an H. This, exactly, and the self... <laughs> and you had a hard time finding it <laughs> I tried it to first, look for right, it in front yeah. of you, and I couldn't find it. The um, the uh, the self-titled one is like much more uh, me finding my musical comfort zone, playing music that I grew up with, and songs, half original and half covers, mm-hmm. but things that were um, responsible for bringing me to the place that I was in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I just wanted to find this like starting place, home base, and then this record was very much a step, so, a step forward into, into you, the, the... Into the, you. Into the now, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird because I just had this really conflicting... First of all, a couple things. One... I I've, I also have two albums. It's it's a little bit different because they're stand-up albums. Mm-hmm. But what you just said... See, this is what I was secretly hoping for. You're the first musician guest we've ever had on the show. No kidding. We've had non-comedians. We, I've had a pastor on the show. We've had uh, right. writers on the show. Uh-huh. But we've never had anybody that's, uh, that's in the music world. But musicians tend to like this show. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've gotten emails and you know uh, people in, in real life telling me that there's a lot of parallels between the two things. So we've already found one. Right. I'm not going to force it. I don't have like a structure or a plan. But like already... like So I have the two albums in the first album I don't do any covers it's certainly all uh, original or whatever right. but I do feel like that's like my uh, safer album you know mm-hmm. what I mean I'm just kind of like let's see what what's happening and put it out there and the second album <laughs> my mother just heard it and she didn't like it because it's like uh, it's a little bit dirtier yeah. and a little bit uh, I don't know harder I don't know I don't know what I kinda... it's probably less the Pete that she knows and exactly. more the Pete who you yeah that's exactly it yeah it's, it's the first tricky. album was put out by her baby boy and yeah. the second album is like this weird like gross I don't know man. you anymore well, that, yeah. and she said it sounded like a guy trying to find himself uh-huh. and I was like well oh, well good that's that's what it is our, isn't that our job as artists and all that sort of stuff yeah. and then you just said the same thing mm-hmm. that your second album was more of an but you also 
the other thing about the collaboration, I'm, you must enjoy that because when people say I love uh, your album or I don't like your album, like you take all the all the blame or the or the accolade, right. but you have this group, and even the group can like it. You know what I mean? So you don't have to. Yeah, and I uh, the, the the great part about collaboration in its nature is that you play off each other. Right. So there's uh, the things that that somebody's idea like. Uh, that they bring to the table, then you are building off of that, and right. then they're building off of that, and so right. it's not just um, mixing, you know, eggs and flour. It's right. it's it's all these other things that happen. I always, whenever I watch, I love music documentaries. I was actually just watching the Kings of Leon one. Did oh, I haven't see seen one? it. No, it's actually not good. <laughs> I, I love them, and I recommend the movie. Uh-huh. But it's like it's like a lot of like thrown together together road footage that yeah. are just kind of like there's not really. Party. You kind of them just like acting a fool and being young, and if and I'm kind of obsessed with that band, so you think it would be for me, and I did enjoy it, and I watched the whole thing, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like a documentary made from the outside. Yeah, it it was more like they put together a mm-hmm. thing, you know, and kind of had a little bit of control over how they came across. It's always the stuff. tricky thing with documentaries because, like, the theory you want to feel like the story wasn't spelled out when they started yeah. the documentary. Yes, but often if you don't do that, it doesn't seem to turn into anything. Yeah. So if, if if when you said I love documentaries, do you love documentaries? Yeah, yeah. When I when they set out to make it, at least they have some sort of target, and then at least it, they know that it deviated or stayed true to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes a documentary a lot yeah. of fun. But when I was watching it, I was like, uh, I envy that. Um, first of all, I just love staying indoors. There's kind of like a ski lodge, snowed in feeling to the the studio musicians mm-hmm. staying in a booth for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, I've said this many times on the show that Brian Regan, who's one of my favorite comedians, says that um, comedians are like musicians, but the audience is the instrument. So we're kind of playing this like weird laughter sound. Mm -hmm. And to that, I've added sometimes the uh, instrument doesn't show up or the instrument is terrible or I guess it's out of tune or it's just broken or it's uninterested. So it's a little it doesn't exactly add up. But there's something about being able to create music alone in your bedroom or in a studio with your friends that I yeah. that I do envy. Yeah, that's that's all the fun. I mean, I grew up in bluegrass um, and there's like these little pockets of bluegrass in different areas. In Southern California and San Diego, there was a, a band called Bluegrass Etc. that was the um, like the main flag waver mm-hmm. in uh, and I say bluegrass, it was Southern California bluegrass, which is is means that you're playing probably acoustic instruments Mandolin, fiddle, guitar, banjo, upright bass, probably, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. And you're playing any kind of songs on those instruments. That's pretty much Southern California bluegrass, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, in the uh, like in Kentucky, North Carolina, and things where people might be a little bit more sticklers as to play um, old songs or only play songs that have this form um, right. that are like you know the boundaries are much tighter, much smaller, and much more um, much stronger. Southern California bluegrass, it's just... Yeah, like the further west you go, you know, like the food out here and everything is just kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like this, but this too. And so like the further west you go, ideas seem to... But who cares? Who's getting angry about what constitutes bluegrass? Not that many people. But so I grew up hearing that and it was mostly... uh, And we started taking lessons at a young age and playing as kids and um, the collaboration is is a big part of that because you're always playing off each other Mm -hmm. and soloing and... That's so fun. You know, trying to be in the moment. It's so well. I said that your your music feels like sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. There's a communal feel, good, good. and when you hear people collaborate, I think that's one of the under. 
You say this like I'm trying. I, I've been trying to make uh, not make myself more intriguing, but just like I feel like if people think about my music or think about coming to a show, they probably think, "Oh, she's nice and friendly." Right. And I'm trying to be like, "No, there's more to it than that." <laughs> Wait, I'm not nice. And do friendly. you have a reputation for being nice and friendly? I don't know. Or is it because people say I your music like, sounds like sunshine? No, that uh, that that that's was, okay. That was that was. I feel like that was a. Positive. That is positive. Thing. I said when you guys. Got I just off... want it to be interesting. I don't want it to be like, oh, that's nice, and uh, move on. I want people to be like, yeah, there's like some fight to it your because music there isn't is nice at all. I <laughs> I I, uh, I don't want to make it sound like my fandom is something uh, to be covetous of or whatever. But like, I don't like a lot of music, mm-hmm. and I don't say that because I'm Johnny Cool. It's not that I don't <laughs> Johnny Cool. I don't not like. It's not. I don't have strong Which opinions. Obviously, you are. <laughs> Anybody that would that say reference. Johnny Cool is that Snoop. Joe Cool. Oh, fuck everything. Uh, But when I, like, music can't be too obvious and certainly can't be too safe. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't think your music is safe at all. I was thinking about it a lot and I've listened to the album incessantly and I actually gifted the album to one of my favorite people and she was like, I already have this album. And I was like, it's a sign. Isn't that fun? I was like, you'll love this album. Like, I've been giving it around. You obviously know her very well. Well, I guess I don't know her as well. Oh, 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 wait, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? I thought you were teasing me that I don't. No, no. But she, I do know her well, and she was like, "This this actually was a nice gift because like that's perfect. That's I already sweet. have and love this yeah. album, and uh, now it's just floating around on iTunes. This credit floating about. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> when I listen to a song, it, I get uh, I'm a little bit um, OCD, and I get music stuck in my head really easily. Mm-hmm. So if it's too obvious, if it's po- if it's too poppy, mm-hmm. it's just a plague. If I hear a little bit of Monica, you know that song Mambo Number no. Five in an elevator, yeah. I'm like, "Fuck you!" for the whole day. I'm ruined. So, like, when I was when I listen to your music, it'll be it's certainly catchy, and I'm I'm not trying to be cool. It, hooky, that's uh-huh. a thing, right? There sure, are yeah. hooks, and there are things that stick with you. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I I have uh, what's the title track? Not the instrumental, but the second track. Oh, you and me. You and me. I have that in my head most of the time, but I'm okay with it because it's such a beautiful song. Good. But it takes these really weird turns. It's like here's like a nice little. Um, and I don't say this badly, but, you know, poppy kind of sounding verse or like mm-hmm. sweet or e- accessible. Mm-hmm. When I say poppy, I just mean accessible. Uh-huh. Uh, but then it takes all these weird uh, turns, like musically, and I don't know what to call them, bridges or yeah, yeah. pre-choruses. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what's happening. That, that's, that, those are all real things. And the melody changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can't sing along you're, to you're it. You're a good listener. <laughs> well, that's what keeps me Because those interested. are subtle changes in those song, in that song. Right. Um, that keep go. us entertained to play it, and it yes. keeps it from being boring to us. But you never know if... If Johnny Cool is going to join, <laughs> going to latch onto those things, and that's that's really fun. I I am fascinated by um, by music listeners who don't play necessarily, or maybe they play but play a little bit. But to hear the things that, that they grab onto, because yeah, you know, like anybody can can geek out on on the details of their specific obsession, but yeah. um, it's fun to to see what translates to to the 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 general population. Yeah. Of course. Well, the, I, I do play a, a little bit, so maybe that's helping me cheat and say some of those cool Johnny That explains Johnny a lot, cool, then, yeah. Johnny Cool things. Like, I couldn't play any song from your album. You know what I mean? Right, I know what you like, mean. Like, I wouldn't be able... Like, I but know, you can play songs. You, you, like, strum some good... But I, I, I could... Yeah, yeah I could yeah. play most songs. As you, as a musician, you know that most songs, if you know G, C, D, A, E, E minor, you out, can yeah. play most songs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much yeah. to be able to... But there's no way I could play any of your songs. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. No. 
I'm pretty sure you could. <laughs> my my guitar knowledge is not much more extensive than that. Well, you were fiddling with, when I saw you. Yes. Your brother was playing some pretty sweet guitar. My brother's a really great guitar player. Yeah, and that's that's partly why I'm such a horrible guitar player because I I I because why why bother? Well, I mean, there are many reasons to bother, but it's just so frustrating because I know how it's supposed to sound. And, sure. And so I'll, I'll mess around with it a little bit enough to give him the uh, the. Um, the gist of what I'm trying to say, and he basically translates it That's and so makes cool. it eloquent, and, I, and as well as contributes a great deal. Of course. Well, the, I think that goes back to one of the other things I was going to say was I think that plays. Uh, there's something about collaboration. I think when you listen to comedy and you hear a group of people laughing at one person speaking, mm. there's something. I'm going to throw around the term spiritual, even though it might not be appropriate here. There's something spiritual about. People like hearing agreeing peoples. Yeah. And there's also something about when I listen to your album, if you really want to talk about what's going on, I know your brother is playing in the group. Mm -hmm. And that adds to it for me. Mm -hmm. I go like, she's not only getting along, quote unquote, getting along, like syncing up melodically, tempo, all that sort of stuff with this with this fella on guitar. Mm -hmm. But it's also your brother. Yeah. It's weird that that. Well, that's to the story. Psychologically, adds to the story. Mm -hmm. I'm like this. This girl and her brother are together. I like I like knowing those things too about people. I need something to grab onto, especially these days when there's so much being forced in you. You just need right. a reason to care. Right. That's and right. It's 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 kind of it's sad sometimes when you feel like you have to explain yourself or make yourself feel sound more interesting. Uh, and sell that side of it. You just want your you know quote art to speak for itself. Right. But the truth is that I don't. I, most things. I enjoy records more when I've seen the band live or when I have go. some kind of of relation to, to them. Absolutely. Maybe it was a memorable experience the first time I heard it or something, but I need a secondary reason to grab into onto it because generally a song won't grab me like that right. unless I'm in the right spot. If it was like a or if it's an e extraordinary, you know, song that I right. just needed to hear. I, I think that's so, so interesting. I hated uh, um, King of Limbs, the last Radiohead mm -hmm. album. I really hated it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I like, uh, do you like Radiohead at all? I don't mm -hmm. know. This is yeah, I haven't gotten into the last couple things, but okay. I, I really, I, I'm a big a fan of them. A lot of people took a, took a turn on them, I think, because it was more electronic -y and stripped down. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could say a little more plain. Mm -hmm. And then I saw them play it live, and now I love it. And also, like, I would listen to it, like, drunk on a plane, which isn't a good story, but it added a little bit of a narrative. Remember that time mm. you were drunk on a plane and you listened to this album and you loved it. And now when I listen to it, I remember that simple but positive mm -hmm. memory. Yeah. There's so much to that. I yeah. mean, like, uh, the nostalgia of listening to even crappy music will make you like good music or, or, or yeah. still like no, it. No, that's true because it, it brings you back to a place and to a – it's got a, a, a tangible reference to it somehow. Yeah. But you, you, when you said you'd like it to just be accepted for what it is, there's that's like the dream, but it's not. No, it's I not it. reasonable. <laughs> it, there's something. Uh, it's pretty selfish and self-indulgent. I feel like to feel like. No, that you would want to be accepted just for your craft. Uh, well, I mean, not accepted, but like you, the 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 like the goal is to create something that is transcends anybody's. Right. Like they can't help but undeniable. But, yeah, undeniable. Like just turn and like acknowledge right. this the greatness of something. Right. Um. And that I don't say that thinking that I'm great, but I think that that's a typical response to anybody who is working on something and then you're like, hey, look at this. Right. You want your parents to be like, that's a great drawing of something that I don't understand. Right. But you still are so proud of it, even though it, just because you worked on it. Right. And it can be this crappy little broken crayon drawing and you still want that, even if it's so – I say that to, to – 
not saying that I think I'm great, yeah, but, but no, to explain that I think that anybody. This is a safe place to say you're great. <laughs> no, but I think that every, like that's just the nature of wanting to be, um, uh, wanting, um, what's the word? Uh, to be acknowledged. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But there, there's nothing. Okay, so it sounds to me like you've learned a little bit of the business, which which is gross. Uh, that also was in the Kings of Leon documentary where they were picking the singles. Someone came in and listened oh, to the yeah. album and was like, "This is your single, and this is your single." And I was like, "Fuck you!" Like mm-hmm. he said, it was like seeing a snuff film, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I get it." But like. Even in comedy, also, uh, what I was going to say was, like, doing this podcast has helped people get to know me a lot better. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, uh, like, diehard fans of the podcast know me, like, pretty better than some of their friends or family. So then when you watch me do stand-up, it's not just some guy. Mm-hmm. It's their friend, Pete, doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And now, I didn't do that as a deliberate business move, but it sounds to me like knowing that it's appealing that you play with your brother. Mm-hmm. Or, again, with the Kings of Leon, knowing that they're brothers, mm-hmm. and they're all from, uh, I forget where they're from, but they're from some sort of swamp, apparently. Like Arkansas or something like that. They're yeah. from, like, real, I don't know, trailer town. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say anything offensive, but they're from, like, a real, like, kind of honky-tonk place. Mm-hmm. And that adds to their image. Unfortunately, yeah. for any artist that's just trying to be self-aware about what m- might be appealing mm-hmm. to th- about them, there's a guy in a suit that has the numbers to show it. Like, yeah. family acts, female fiddlers. Mm-hmm. Any novelty male, thing, yeah. Yeah, male uh, guitarist, brother, together, it's equals fu- money. It's funny because people who, um, like, just knowing what to expect helps people a little bit. Like, you're saying this podcast and people coming to your thing, like, they... they they have a starting place, a starting reference. Yeah. But people who, like Paul F. Tompkins, one of everyone's favorites, right? So <laughs> he um, it, he does a ton of shows at Largo. I, my brother and I have done a monthly show at Largo for 10 years now. And he um, has come down a couple times, a few times. to like We tried him like hosting the show or like <laughs> just coming down and doing a little spot. But because the people aren't necessarily expecting to hear a comedian, they're just not in that brain set. And mm-hmm. like... Had had they come expecting that, it would be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to do that. That's but, right. But unfortunately, it's really hard. It's much easier to, com- to add, as I'm sure I know Paul would say and has said, to add music to a comedy show than to add comedy to a That's music That's absolutely show. right. Well, when you're doing music, you don't have the constant check-in. I, mm-hmm. I have to assume that your tentacles are out in the crowd and you can tell. Yeah, but you don't need like every 20 seconds to figure out yeah, where people are. Exactly. And how you're doing. Well, that goes back to the envy of being in the studio and the envy of being able to play with your brother on some sort of porch with a sleeping dog, which is where I imagine you writing most of your music. <laughs> When I saw you at Largo, I came out, I don't know if you heard me, I said, doesn't it feel like biscuits are done? (laughs) I feel like every time you play, it's like a bell ringing, angels getting their wings. Every time you play, there's a tray of biscuits being taken out of the oven. That's good. Oh, the fiddle. The fiddle has a hard, hard road to hoe. Oh, it's not even just the fiddle. I think it's all of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, the song is, oh, I want to give you the specific compliment about your songwriting. I, so the title, not the title track, it's called Sun, Midnight Sun, but like this, the You and Me you song. You and Me, yeah. Okay, so that... It's the single. That's the single. Ugh, there we go, doing I hate it. that so much. I know, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It is kind of... It's the song you played at Largo. It's the, it's the one that's featured right now, yeah. Yeah. Is that... What, are you, what do you mean it's featured? Like, it's... We made a video for it, and we tried to get a couple people to play it on the radio. And there you go. That, that kind of thing. We should play it on the show. <laughs> Can sure. we play it on the yeah, show? Yeah, totally. We'll play it at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And that'll be weird because then it's like this time loop where it did play at the beginning of the show, but then you're hearing the past where we decided to play it at the beginning of the show. 
which came first. This is some Donnie Darko shit. Um, the, the line in the in the song, because that's the first song where you sang, may, that made me think that uh, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get along with this performance as a songwriter. Oh, nice. Was you said, um, you say, I remember you, I remember me, mm. because as an idiot, I didn't even know I do this, but I am trying to predict the lyrics a little bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, that's one of the reasons why I can enjoy... I think I can a little bit, but when I was younger and my my creativity didn't have anywhere to go, I would waste my time in musicals trying to predict the rhyme. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it was always obvious. And if they say they're alone, they're going to say the phone next. Yeah. It's always a lone phone. And you said, I remember you. And I said, you're going to say, do you remember me? And instead you said, I remember me. Hmm. And then I was like, I think I'm going to like this album. Oh, good. Isn't that simple and weird? No, that's that's great. I love that. But, I, but I, that line specifically... I there's do that some, too. There's something about the, what's that? I do that too. What That's, guessing rhymes and yeah, I mean, of, and you don't even you. I think it's just a matter of like listening along, and then you you have an idea of what's going to happen. Yes. And if there's a little twist on it, it it makes it a little interesting. But there, there's also something true about that. It's it's when I, I, I the girl that I uh, got the CD for, uh, she lives far away. She lives in uh, Eureka. But I sent it to her, and we were talking about it. And I was like, it's funny. That's how memories are for me. Mm. It's not just like a silly choice. I was like, when you have a fond memory for somebody, you remember you, and you remember yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you don't necessarily go, do you remember me? It right. changes it. Like that—that that made it more well, real. The, the to idea me. behind that song is—is is, um, just growing older, thinking about your life in these different stages, finding the times like, oh, this is when we lived in this house. This is when we had this dog. This is when we spent the sleeping dog. five years. <laughs> um, and uh, so five years what? You know, five years camping or like something sure. that that was like a, your family trend. Um, and for me, it was just kind of it was it was noting these different stages and um, thinking of them fondly, and knowing that you're not gonna ever be able to go back to that. Right, and you being a part of that. Yeah, like I my, remember me. Yeah, and, and and a lot of that has to like you were talking about your mom, like like um, your mom relating to your earlier stuff more than your current right, stuff. Right, right, right. That's totally like what the, one of the verses. Um, refer- each verse kind of references a couple of specific things, but one of them. Is um, sit, uh, I'm sit, sitting at your feet and listening. Basically, I can't is, is one you of the said visuals. That line because that's the line that always gives me the chills for really? some reason. It's it's a couple of things. One of but one of them is um, just remembering going to Mr. and Mrs. Moore's house, who were. Uh, I know Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> they were the parents. They, they were my, my brother's piano teacher. They became huge family friends. We'd go camping with them. And uh-huh. and Mr. Moore would, like, you know, wear jeans and hat and boots to the beach. And, like, just, like, total cow, cow, cowboy. And yeah. um, and who would tell these great stories. And I would just, like, sit and listen adoringly. You know, yeah. I was, like, a eight, ten-year-old girl. And just, they were their grandparents kind but of thing. And so, like, that good... is... One of the meanings. That's of that such a line. good pull. That that's the one because like that's one of the. Uh, I guess it's the feeling of growing up or whatever. But mm-hmm. there's also something uh, that I envy about just like being young and wanting to sop up energy. Like I haven't mm-hmm. sat by somebody's feet and just been like, "Teach me." Like, and when you run into that and just want to listen to somebody yeah. talk, don't you say like, "I sat at your feet for hours listening"? Or yeah, something? The, I think the. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, it, it, basically that that's the that's the picture. And right. but it also is a musical reference. I mean, I still one of my favorite things to do ways to see a show is on the side of the stage just like laying on my belly and just just feeling like it's, you know, just absorbing it all. Yeah. It's just beautiful. It, yeah. Not always, but um there are many nights at, at like, you know, 
late night jam sessions at somebody's house and the sun would be coming up and, and you just kind of like, I might be musically spent, but a couple of my friends are still going at it and, yeah. and just like, just loving it. And yeah. it's a very joyful, um, joyful experience. You're making me realize that when I, I, I never really took time to give this thought, but uh, when I listen to music, I, I know it's certainly true with your album because when we talked about that line, I realized I have an image. You mm. know what I mean? Like there are these pictures that are playing. And I think that's certainly true in comedy. In comedy, I'm very, very – Stephen Wright had this great quote where he said, when I tell jokes, I'm trying to paint little paintings inside everybody's brain, which yeah. is a funny way to put it because I picture this tiny easel that fits yeah. in a skull. No. He's trying to paint this little thing. So even for that joke, it's I have an image. Yeah. It is surgical and implanting it. Mm-hmm. But when I – and when I'm doing comedy I'm literally like playing other characters and sometimes you'll say details literally and be like uh, I have this joke that I'm doing where I'll point out that he's wearing a starched Oxford, Oxford shirt he parks mm-hmm. his Prius uh, there's a death you know you're, you're painting a yeah. picture but with music you're not doing that as specifically but like I realize that I have these pictures mm-hmm. that goes back to like the album art like the, your album art is really cool but then like I'm picturing that Sarah Watkins in the stories you know what I mean mm-hmm. like that it's not just that outfit but that energy that color yeah I think that's really weird it's, it's cool there's it's um that's a huge compliment because that's something that I love about other people's songwriting right like well I don't think that's true about um walking in the spider webs by uh, <laughs> no doubt <laughs> Although when I was 15 and that song came out, I had a very, very clear visual of the spider web. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. What a weird pull for me that you... That's I, funny. I think that's why... Uh, I, look, I like pop punky music too, but like I think I, I think of the video when I think of that song. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually had a weird uh, moment where the song Underneath It All, mm-hmm. which I didn't even like, and then I saw the video and she looked so beautiful mm-hmm. in the video that I then liked it. Mm-hmm. That was a little experiment in like what you associate. But you're, I think you're right. It is a high compliment that I'm paying you is that like each song makes me picture different things, different houses. Yeah. Talking about like architecture and the uh, the way the sky looks on a night, like when you talk mm-hmm. about the night something being in bloom. Night flowers bloom, yeah. Yeah, and a smell. I literally think that my brain is thinking about a smell mm-hmm. when that when that when I hear that song. That's great. That's that's amazing. That's and that great. happens for you as well. That you were going to say, like when you listen to your friends or your, uh, your favorite people. My favorite, yeah. Well, I was just what for whatever reason, what came to mind when you were talking about specifics is um, there's this, uh, poor places the Wilco song. Um, one of the lines is it's hot in the poor places tonight, mm-hmm. and it's just like I have this tiny little vision of of that corner and um and um like there's bourbon on the breath of the singer you love so much just very specific things that aren't necessarily describing what what you see but giving the listener the option to create their own their own visual and and placement for this story and um there's something i think that sticks for me in when i hear those kinds of lyrics yeah exactly I, that's I, I honestly I don't know if this is not as interesting as I think it is, but it's really interesting to me because I don't think I've ever heard people talking about how specific it is that you get these pictures. Like, well, I heard like kind of kind of on that. I heard this. Um, I'm going to butcher the the theory, but uh, I was listening to a, a tape uh, or some some book. I think <laughs> listening to a book on tape about that's what I do. Um, <laughs> the book treadmill. You it's can't great. stop. It's great. It's great. Got to keep going. Oh, it's awesome! And it, like the author, <laughs> authors read their stories. It's it's, yeah. it's fantastic. It helps. Yeah, it really helps. <laughs> Again, like especially with so many comedians writing books and people who have a public voice, it's fun to hear the book in their absolutely in their voice. or see who they pick. Yeah, totally. Like sometimes yeah. they pick somebody awesome. Keep going. That is not a good voice. <laughs> I know. I've stopped listening to things because, like, I cannot. <laughs> I stopped reading books because of the font. 
So oh, really? Same thing. Yeah. Voice, it's a voice font, really. Mm-hmm. Voice font. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the uh, one of the theories for creating, for improving your memory was to um, imagine walking through a house. And at each point, say you, you need to remember how to do something like, okay, at, I walked into the hallway and I picked up this. And then I turned left. Then I went into the kitchen and I the first thing is the thing you're trying saw to remember. this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's all these things you're trying to remember, but you're placing them in a house mm-hmm. that you're that uh, you created or that you probably already have. Right. And because you're walking and taking the step in your imagination that you it's sticking more because right. it, it taps into something. And that's something what the music and I think is that's doing. what like, yeah, I think that's right. what a good lyric does is it sort of gives you up that opportunity to implant it into your own right. Life. Well, that, that's what's interesting is I use music a little bit like vitamins. I, I, I don't, I don't hmm. mean to – I don't love my relationship with music. I envy people that love music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although i, I got to be honest with you. I've said often that – not often. I've said once or twice that I don't trust people that are obsessed with music. But then my friend was like, would you trust someone that's obsessed with comedy? I was like, well played. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a weird judgment to make. I think what I was saying was I don't like people that say they love music. Right. And then they're done. Yeah. I love music. Right. Or like I love art. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? For you you got to tell me what you're talking about. I love Fantastic. movies. I just love movies. Yeah. It's, so, it's a red flag for me. But um, what was I going to say? You're talking about the house. We're talking about Jesus. What was I going to say? Uh, you d- Loving art, loving music. You don't love music the way you oh, wish you could vitamin, love music. Oh, vitamins. Vitamins. There it is. So when I'm thinking about the things, the house that the music makes, I'm wondering what mood am I in and what music will complement it. And then also what mood would I like to be in and if the music will help me mm-hmm. get there. To that, your music being sunshine, I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> I listen to your music either when I'm – and music like yours – when I'm either doing well or would like to be feeling better. Uh, like that's what I mean when I'm like it's a vitamin. You nice, know I mean? yeah. And then there's times when you're feeling sleepy and you need to get uh, pepped up. That's sure. pretty obvious. Or when you're trying to wind down and yeah. you listen to something. But I don't know if that's necessarily the perfect uh, use of music. It seems I think a, a lot of people bit... use it that way. I think I think that's a proper. It feels utilitarian or like kind of uh, fascist or something. Fascist. Yeah, like I want to feel sleepy, and then I listen to <laughs> I listen to the National at night because I'm winding down. I don't think the National are like, "Hey, thanks for the compliment." You yeah, know no, I mean? I've 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 been that I've been that that singer as well. Yeah, no, and I like I listen to it, and I'm like, "That's the worst." I don't yeah. want to be the Beth Time album. Yeah, or the, you know. well, people say they fall asleep to this podcast all the time. They're just like, "It's just nice to have somebody around." I'm like. Thank you. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, like, it's nice, but you're drifting off. Somebody's doing that right now, and it just woke you them just up. You just need to have, a, have an alarm. Just yell at them right now. Yeah. Wake up! Sometimes we do it with a name. Wake up, Todd! <laughs> <laughs> Some guy named Todd just freaked out. It's probably the name I always pick when we do that joke. <laughs> but anyway. You go-to names? Yeah, of course I yeah. do. And go-to uh, professions. Mm-hmm. When I'm trying to pick another profession, I always say architect. Oh, yeah. I met an architect recently that was like, you need to know that there's only three architects that listen to your show, and I'm one of them. And every time you say it, I go nuts. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about doing music as a job. Yeah. Because that's weird to me. Like, I I was just hanging out with a friend of mine who told me the story that he was at a bar, and uh, his brother's a musician. Mm -hmm. And the the bartender was like, oh, you're a musician? I'm a musician, too. And he was like, you probably know where this story's going. No? Oh, fun. 
I thought you were going to like beat me to it. No. Uh, I'm slow. You're in luck. No. Oh, good. Me too. So the guy's like, I'm a musician. He's like, oh, me too. He's like, oh, you're playing a band? This is the, and the bartender's like, yeah, I play in a band called Space Hog. And it was like one of the guys from Space Hog, <laughs> which is just like was part of a conversation we were having about how difficult it is yeah. to uh, – because comedians and musicians are kind of after similar markets, the live performance mm-hmm. market, we perform in similar spaces, we mm-hmm. have similar technical requirements. Um, it seems – I know how hard it is to make a living as a comedian, especially at first, uh, with the touring and then you guys have to split your money and then you have to – you pay your roadie and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. How's it, how's it going? Like, or what, what, it, what is the journey like? It's been really uh, – so I grew up in a band called Nickel Creek and uh-huh. we – were a kids band and then we kept just kept playing and playing to to more and more people and um we we got to the point where um we were pretty well taken care of we had a tour manager and we didn't we were young enough that we weren't counting every cent and we were just sort of like very low expenses and making more money than we really needed to, so it was just kind of like cool let's Wait how did that happen? We how were, were your expenses so low? Well because I was like 18 19 20 and we were touring so much that I was living at my parents house and uh-huh. so like you don't have like rent right so I'm basically paying for a car and a phone right and not huge living standards so I'm just kind of like I we, I wasn't really worried so I'd be like oh yeah, let's stay in a hotel. That's right. great. Let's stay in a hotel tonight. Or, right. you know, different things that you would – that now I've, I'm counting every cent because um, because the expenses were so low. But, you know, you grow up and you have to pay for rents and things. And, right. and uh, the conditions of touring change. And, different fiddles. Um, different fiddles. <laughs> and we were a much much more popular band than I am as a solo as a solo artist. Huh? So there Not was, for there long. Was <laughs> this podcast reaches a huge audience. But it um, – <laughs> Because of that, the reason I say that is because um, the transition, like five or six years ago when I started doing solo touring, I became much more involved in the everyday detail of like running a business mm-hmm. and the, and the, and um, n- choosing what where I want to spend my money and where I don't care, where I'm just going to be like, screw it, I'm going to stay in this crappy place because Do you say I it? need to get to the next place. Because yeah. you're running your own business. Because I'm running my you own business. You can tell your employee, you, to stay in the Super 8. Exactly. Even exactly. though that sliding door opens right up to the murder parking lot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Exactly, yeah. And you can see light around the door frames oh, and God, all I that. Oh, God, I all that stuff. But, but I um, mean, you're making me remember those times for yeah, myself. Yeah, and, and, and just... Being in charge of all of that, being my own tour manager and driving and taking care of, of the couple of musicians that I that I took with me. Isn't that a financial consideration too? Oh, huge. Yeah, of course. Huge. Um, they were severely underpaid. Yeah. And Is this your brother? Well, my brother was one of them. And then two, uh, Sebastian Steinberg and Don Heffington, this amazing bass player and drummer from The Family Hour and many, many years doing other things. Um, um, fantastic guys. And they were... Why would they be willing? I mean, is this is there a beautiful community that I'd love to shed some light on a beautiful, supportive community that's like they, I they've mean, been around the block, but they're going to do it again for the totally. spring chicken. That's totally that's totally it. Do they call you spring chicken? They did not. <laughs> they did not. That is what it but is. But they're like they're. It was it was kind of humiliating for me to even ask them like, "Will you be willing to work for this? For this, I can't I can't pay you, and it's right? going to suck, and we're going to be in a minivan, and <sighs> we got to drive six or seven hours for several days in a row, and you're not going to be able to play on good gear." Um, want to do it and they'd be like 
sure, let's do it. And so oh, they would God. do it for a few weeks, and then they'd do it for another few weeks, and um, total saints, these guys. And That's great. See, that's a story I want out there. It's Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And then so that was when the first record came out, and then I started um, – a few more people started coming to shows, and, and the guarantees got a little better, so I could – Start um, guarantee meaning the money you get regardless of audience. Yeah, so instead of them being like, "We'll pay you three hundred dollars and maybe more if people come," they'd right. be like, "We'll pay you four hundred dollars and sure. maybe people will come." Yep, that's a big jump. Yeah, and and um, so there are there are just the considerations. I was talking to a friend's mom about um, she went to a show and she was like, "Yeah, but it was really disappointing because her album sounds like this, and then she it was just her solo." And I was like, "Well, you understand that to open for somebody, you're getting paid two hundred dollars." And if you're paying, or 250 or maybe sure, 500 sure. some nice people pay you $1,000. But yeah. generally, it's like 250 bucks. No hotel room. You got to get yourself there in a car. That is so much. Wor- I can't believe that's worse than comedy. And you're selling, you're selling merch and stuff. But like, it's, right. it's opening slot. Your, your, your job there is to help get, get people there. And is the job similar to an opener at comedy? You're just getting them used to the idea of listening to music? <laughs> I think... I think um, there's partly that, and you're there to sell booze because pe- you'll the the uh, venue will get an intermission. Yes. So there's that, and also you're you're trying ideally if you have any steam, you'll get you know ten or fifteen more people to the show. Yes. Then and also the, steam the um, the great yeah. <laughs> I speak in locomotive terms. <laughs> um, and uh, but as the opener, you get to play in front of yes. This other audience. Well, this is how you're hijacking. That that's the same. I, I'm sure people listening already know this, but that's yeah. what you do. I, that's I, the dream. I yeah. would open for Dimitri Martin and stuff, and I'd be like, "I'm here to steal your fans. Like, yeah. make no qualm about it." And like, they want you there because you will set the audience up well right. to hear their. And show. that's important. Yeah. And my openers are stealing my fans. That's that's what we're fucking doing. But this is the but beautiful less, underbelly. I yeah. like of helping each other, especially at a, at a certain at at the the level of most people. You're. You're not really worried. You're you're trying to like share that camaraderie, and yes. it's fun to have friends on the road. So, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, anytime I have somebody open for me, or if I'm opening for them, it's um, it's generally the headliner's responsibility to set the pace for how friendly everybody's right. going to be. But like, if somebody's opening for me, it's really fun to you know try and try and make something work on stage, even and musically, you can you can sit in with each other, and that's well, that's that's, fun that's something that uh, it's harder to do. But mm-hmm. my, I always bring the same guy, and sometimes we'll go up on stage at the end together and yeah. just do silly things. It's harder with comedy. It is, but I imagine. Fortunately, my my audience tends to be okay with silly yeah. nonsense. That means do you usually nothing. do like Q and A stuff or like. No, we we'll do because he's been a, his name is Chris Thayer. He's been a guest on the podcast, and we have little bits that we did together. Uh-huh. Sometimes people will yell out something, and I don't even know if they know what they mean by that. Like what's going to happen? Yeah. But then we'll try and They're do just, like, whatever. Throwing something into the air. Yeah. yeah, and then we'll bring them out. It's just fun. To, it, that's great. See, that's that's headliner code stuff. I'm a big believer in like when. When the shittier you were treated as an opener, mm-hmm. you can either – it's like a bad marriage. Like if your parents got divorced, you can either be like, oh, well, I'm going to be a shitty uh, guy too, mm-hmm. you know, if they were shitty. Or you can be like, that's what I'm not going to be. Yeah. And I think that's similar with these openers. If you were like paid $200 and you had no flight and you had no hotel and the, and the headliner didn't want to take you to dinner or take you to the movie with him or whatever he was mm-hmm. doing, you can pay pay that backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna say pay, mm-hmm. We're going to push that sideways and then and then go and be nice and yeah. let them sit in and remember what it was like, how important it was. Yeah, I think I've experienced it both ways for sure. Yeah. And that's another great reason that, that coming back and starting my uh, – doing my solo records and doing my solo touring after um, – having um headlined a lot in in the old nickel creek days it was 
so so meaningful and so important for me to have to make like just just navigate the beginnings of starting this this uh this career and um picking my priorities and figuring out how I want to what 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 standard I can I can treat people and how uh, mm-hmm. like the people that I'm working with especially and um just decide how you want to do it it's really fun to yeah. that's that's one of the huge perks is like Oh, I can I can decide how this is going now. There's no, you 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 have momentum, but but it you're there's you're not having to change anything up in motion. You know you can right. you can build it the way you want to, which is really really fun. And um it, and I've opened for so many people now and who have welcomed me like to sit in <clears throat> sit in during their so- show or fiddle 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 around. fiddle fiddle around. I can just be a fiddler <laughs> and I can um and. You know, a lot of them like Jackson. So I'm going out opening for for Jackson Brown uh, for another three weeks this summer. We did ten weeks in the fall, and cool. he is the most generous host that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Like he introduces uh, us and the show every night. Um, oh, you mean t- like proving he's there and enjoying and endorsing? Indoor, yeah, yes, which is huge. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he like sets the tone, lets the audience know what to expect. Like, yeah, you might have thought this would be a solo show, but this is what's happening. That's this so is awesome. Great. This is why I have them and. He let he, he comes in to sing a couple songs with us. We play a good deal with his that show. That makes me want to do that. It's so amazing, For the and he's uh, he shines such a light on everybody else on stage, and um, that it's he's a, a, an amazing it's example beautiful. of yeah of this this, this stuff honestly makes me tear up a little bit. It's the idea of this mobile community. Mm-hmm. This almost it's it's a little bit circus like. I know circus has this like negative connotation yeah. of like unhappy freaks on a train on a train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you love trains. <laughs> I do. Uh, but you know like in cages yeah. uh ladies shaving their beards and stuff. Um that sort of thing. But you're the, not supposed to shave the beard. I know, so that's but the it thing. grows so fast. <laughs> He trims Maybe it. trimming a little? She trims it a little, a little bit. grooming? Yeah, there's a groom. <laughs> you fucking, that's perfect. That's completely I true. I you go to. Sheila, stop shaving the beard. That's why you're on the tour. <laughs> so the idea, <laughs> that was a man yelling at the bearded woman. I know, I, I, no, I know you got it. I want to make sure everyone listening got it. But there is something beautiful about that. When you, I, I think, again, you know, not to keep pushing this community idea, but one of the things that I think is so appealing about being an artist mm-hmm. or a musician or a comedian or whatever it is, is these moments that we can manufacture and control yeah. a little uh, mobile commune. It's, I think you're totally right. And I think that especially these days when, you know, people aren't um, – schools aren't the center of community anymore. Churches aren't the center of community anymore. People need to find those those things. Right. And I think live shows can be that if – right. If that's and I think that's partly why there's so many anthemic bands right now who like you sing along with you know uh, doing something together. Yeah, it's it's that's huge right now, right. and it's um, you know a lot of people on stage, a lot of people singing oh, la 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 like Mumphies and Sons. Yeah, well they have what like five people, but there's they're like Lumineers and maybe they maybe they've added Archive Fire totally. Like yeah. that was and that was one of the right. The Lu- there's a lot of Lumineers, aren't there? Yeah, like that kind of of of. A thing that's exciting for the, that for the audience back. to sing, and it, they love it, and it, it's very communal. It stirs me. The opening track of your album stirs me when the when the rhythm comes in. The instrumental or the... The um, instrumental. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what the rhythm is. I almost don't want you to tell me, because I want to think it's just somebody's boot on the floor. <laughs> There's something about, like, is there an right? element? Yeah, I don't know. I, is it a drum? I don't know. There are lots of things. There's being, lots, lots of things. Lots of things being hit. But I think this keeps coming up, and I think that's one of... Okay, I think we're, we're experiencing a bit of a communal drought, you know? what I mean? Uh-huh. People are looking for things. And yeah. you're right. It used to be uh, the, the, what's it called? The nuclear family. Am I saying that right? Nuclear? I don't want to say it like George W. Bush. 
Nucle- nuclear, nuclear, nuclear family. You got it. it. Used to be churches. Even when you, if you go to like an AA meeting, you're you're doing better than most people. You know what I mean? Or if you go to like a, a comedy show regularly, you're doing better than most people. If you follow a band, look at people that like if follow you know your fish. If you know your fucking neighbors, you're doing better than most people. Yeah. And like I am such a I'm I'm a, a culprit in this in this regard that like I have a tendency to shut in. That's why I'm grateful that my work forces me to be communal. I'm the same way. Are you I, really? Yeah, I mean I I am very I I think I am communal, but there are things that my my work forces me to get way out of my comfort zone, and I need to be forced to get out of that. Like that's been something that I think my personality would naturally be the the, the girl who never leaves Southern California. Yeah. And let's so everything. So this is great. Go. That's good. And so yeah. So because of my job, I'm forced to. Try, I was forced to like go to London by yeah. myself, go to Italy, and like do all these Holy things shit. that are like. And as the, it started with 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 a group with a, with a band, but um, you know, travel Still. and do things that you that you wouldn't. And that's where like that's the um, it can be a continuation of like a, a kid who's just like having fun playing with dirt and sticks. Yeah. Like it can be like yeah. that if you let it if you let it and right. on your better days it, it might it be. It can like feel that, that way. I yeah. think that's a perspective. Otherwise shit. it can be super depressing. <laughs> Which part? The the traveling? The playing with dirt and sticks. Oh. <laughs> like yeah, literally. But is it even as simple as like I don't think I would go out. I think I would have a hard time going out at night. Yeah. I was I was just on tour for two weeks. You're about to go on tour. Mm-hmm. So I was on tour for two weeks and they were mostly festivals. Mm-hmm. It was a TV thing in New York. So that's very communal. There are all these people that I haven't seen. Yeah. And we're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, it's like fucking Yanomami Indians wearing masks and chanting and stuff. We're, we're all going out <laughs> onto the stage and there's the group. It feels like a ceremony. And there's the filming and there's the light and the cue cards. It feels like a fucking minister is, yeah. is, is conducting it. We all do that. And then I went to a festival and then I went to another festival. So I was really steeped in it. And every night... I love that... I'm sorry. No, please. So I... I love that that you are comparing a show to church. Yeah. Like the fact that churches have become so produced that your first reference, like, oh, the show, oh, this is like yes. how churches are. Like, yeah. It used to be the other way around, and now it's like, oh, no, it's as produced as... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it feels like church. That, I'm kind of stealing that from you, but that's also something I've said in the past is that uh, comedy and music certainly... In fact, I would say, I don't know who wins. It's not about who wins, but they're both... Again, now I'm being deliberate in my use of spiritual, spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Laughing, your direction being oh, totally pointed agree. in one place, being in the same space. I, I would, I, I grew up, uh, I'm not Quaker, but I grew up in the Quaker tradition, mm-hmm. so we would have silent meeting. Mm-hmm. So we would just sit in a room together. Yeah. And there's like a power to yeah. just a bunch of beating hearts and a bunch of fucking breath happening in one room and being still. That's all you need, I think, for God to show up. But if you're all going like, to be listening to one guy and doing something as intimate as laughing or I was talking about you with the line that gives me the tingles. Getting the fucking tingies next to somebody, mm-hmm. a stranger, mm-hmm. it's an intimate thing and mm-hmm. you shared it. And we were talking about like being drunk on a plane or watching Radiohead play. Everyone that was at that show that was Bonnaroo two years ago, we all have that same story. So I think there is something, bless you twice, there's something happening that is a little bit replacing or, or, or maybe a substitute for church. I'm not sure. No, I, I I totally agree. It's a very similar experience. And you got so, me on a rant. I'm sorry. No, that didn't feel <laughs> random to me. Bonnaroo, uh, random though. Uh, Bonnaroo two, th- two years ago, not this year, but year before. Was it? Uh, two? Yeah, year before. Yeah, I was there. You were? Mm-hmm. Were you a Radiohead? I wasn't at Radiohead. That's I okay. was. Um, <laughs> I wasn't at Radiohead. I was there with Dawes. 
another band that played. Okay. And then um, and some other people. See, there. Kate Micucci was there. Kate, it was yeah. really fun. We, yeah. we, we, we hung out. I love Kate. They let me play their guitar, their tiny little guitar. Oh, yeah? And I, I'm a big guy anyway, so it looks like a really, really little baby guitar. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want one of those. They're when so she fun. plays it, it looks fairly fairly reasonable. Yeah, no, it looks, it looks huge on Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get her to do this show. She doesn't want to open up. <laughs> I know. She told me that, actually. Is that true? Oh, that's Well, fun. it's just, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's a consideration. Yeah, I think I think we can go. Ben Schwartz is another one. That, do you know Ben by any chance? Mm-mm. He's a funny guy, but he's a very personal guy. But I'm going to try and get him to do the show, just because I'm like, well, just you don't have to answer anything. You don't feel invaded, do you? Not so far. No. We're just, just, we're just <laughs> you'll be a little disappointed if you don't leave, and I didn't say something. Yeah, you're uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, no. We'll, 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 we're just looking for it together, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Well, go, okay. This is something I actually did want to talk to you about before this this idea of church live performance church. Mm-hmm. Music. My father always said that uh, the thing that he loves about church, because I've had these long spiritual discussions with my parents, um, and to take them out of it, I've had long spiritual discussions with a lot of people where if you break down their DNA, at some point you find the molecule where they're kind of choosing to believe, which doesn't necessarily lessen it for me. But if you push somebody long enough, if you interrogate them long enough, mm-hmm. if, you, if I interrogate myself long enough, I'll find something in my DNA that's just leaning towards belief or whatever. Mm -hmm. But my father, going back to my father, loves the music of church. So there's something about being stirred in this way that we can't quite speak. I do so much talking, like talking for a living. I I talk on stage. I talk in this podcast. And then I just talk, you know, regular amounts and and maybe more than regular amounts. You're social. Yeah, I'm a a social being. (laughs) But then I'm, I'm so interested in the things that we can't communicate, like the things that like the feeling that I feel in the opening track of your album where I'm just kind of like... So, or when I listen to jazz again, I'm I'm so I'm Johnny Cool. When I or, or even I think it's called prog rock. One of my favorite bands is uh, called Caspian, and they just play instrumental rock stuff mm-hmm. that like stirs me and moves me very very deeply. There's it's getting. I feel like short uh, music can be a shortcut to something transcendent. That was that was ideally the first that's what art is, right? Fucking a, hey Sarah, <laughs> fucking a. <laughs> I mean, ideally, there's just it's just there's so much shitty art out there that we forget. That's right. What the purpose was supposed to be? Well, because you're doing your thing, and there's a boot stomp. Don't tell me if it's not. There's some sort of boot stomp, and there's a barn burning happening that that people are really enjoying, and biscuits are done. But then that same thing, music, mm-hmm. is occurring under an antidepressant commercial right. in between Jeopardy acts. You know what I mean? And comedy is the same thing. Comedy is used to sell things and, and there's so much shitty comedy and mm-hmm. it's like offensive. So there's this prostitution of art as well. Mm-hmm. There's pornography of every every type of art. Mm-hmm. Music, once we realized it can stir you and, and create this moment, we're like, what if we linked Honda to that feeling? And that's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, or humor to that feeling and that's very powerful. But uh, I forget where I was going. It can be. It can also just desensitize people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying it is desensitizing, yeah. and it is gross, and it is pornographic. It is. I hadn't thought of it as pornographic, but I, I totally see that relation. Yeah. As there, far as, like, exploiting something yeah. that evolutionarily should, has a certain goal. Right. You know. Should be culturally. beautiful and special, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's just something to get off or, mm-hmm. or, or to sell something. Yeah. Gross bad but music okay so this is the question i was going to ask you music being church and music clearly being away i don't know if i nailed down that point my dad being like not necessarily into the he likes a good sermon 
Don't get me, don't get him wrong. And I hate representing somebody else. But he told me this one time that it's the music that stirs him. And me, as a somewhat hard hardened, uh, my heart my heart is a little bit hard towards the church. Yeah, I can still listen to like "Be Thou My Vision" and it'll make me cry, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Even an instrumental of it, I don't need the words. Just right. that. Or organ music, or or like a choir. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here! That is some heavy artillery. A good choir is hard to deny. You can't beat a choir. <laughs> or ch- okay, you can a children's choir. Oh, Go no. fuck yourself. That no. is that is the that is the nuclear bomb of music. I disagree with that though. What do you mean? The children's choir thing too creepy. It's still creepy. Yeah. Do you, have you heard Ryan Gosling's uh, Dead uh, Dead Man's Bones? No. Or is that what it's called? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling's in a band. Uh huh. Sure. I think it's called Dead Man's Bones. Yeah, it's called Dead Man's Bones. And there's a child's choir, choir in there used to good effect. They don't. They don't just have a kid going like, "Don't go down the hallway." <laughs> like it's it's like nice. I promise you, you'd like it. And uh, going back to our original point, uh-huh. I enjoy it more because I'm like the goss is there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finally ask you this question because yes. I think the coffee kicked in and I don't always drink coffee. <laughs> My question is about light versus dark. There's uh, Luke Skywalker and there's Darth Vader. There's a poster right yeah. over there. This this idea that um, I like to think that my comedy is on the light side, is 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 trying to promote good things. And I'm mm-hmm. not just talking – I fucking swear a lot and I'll talk about anything I want. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about dark things or, or ugly things or whatever. But ultimately, I think it's coming from a place that's life-affirming mm-hmm. and somehow positive. I hope. That's what I'm going for. I think that your your uh, bluegrass in general, your music, that style, anything – I don't mean to trivialize it, but something that I feel like I'm drinking lemonade even though I'm not drinking lemonade. But also you're, you're singing about love and, and moments and humanity. Do you, do you look at it like when you look at what you could use the music for, you could do Darth Vader and, and promote whatever – Shaking, mm-hmm. shaking your booty. I don't know what people are. I don't know what's evil in this instance. Right. But do you look at light and dark? I do in look art? at light and dark. Um, I was I was talking to my friend about it once, and he was like, "Well, you're assuming that darkness is bad." In in this in this description, I was where I, I was talking about naming my record "Sun of Midnight Sun" and like a lot of the topics, and and we were discussing debating some lyric, and he was like, "Well, your preference. You're assuming in in this that darkness is bad." And I was like, "Yes, that's that's right. I am." Which I guess I could reconsider a little bit. Um, it's well, one thing. Touching on the bluegrass thing, bluegrass. Everyone, everything. It does sound really happy. It's like yeah. high pitched instruments playing pretty fast and lots of harmony. Right. And, um, but nearly every topic is um, somebody's getting murdered or someone's in jail because they murdered something. Yeah, They're yeah, singing yeah, from yeah, prison, yeah. Um, or. Uh, they're, like murder ballads are a big thing. There's also um, soul music is like that too. Ninety percent of soul is she's yeah. gone. Ten percent is she's back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very few. And um, and there's like gospel music. That's true. A lot of it is like the whole theme of gospel music, which is like better do it or else you're gonna burn in hell forever and ever right, and ever. Right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's pe- not like happy stuff. It's like it's yeah. It's it's always looming. You know this this. And that's that's largely the bluegrass topics, yeah. Um, and I guess in music as gen- in general, but people do think of it as a happy music. It's not necessarily if you listen to the words. Yeah, you're absolutely but, right. But um, but it does it does sound like that, um, right? Until you listen 
to to the lyrics. I guess what I'm saying that's interesting. I always this is my go to example of my own uh, of my own edginess because it's as edgy of a bit as I ever had. <laughs> I wrote a bit about how I've always secretly hated every girlfriend I've had. I've hated her friends mm-hmm. secretly. Now the reason I would argue that that is a positive bit, even mm-hmm. though it's called on my set list, it's called hate girlfriends friends, mm-hmm. and then I go into how I hate her parents too. Mm-hmm. The reason why I consider that a ministry mm-hmm. and uh, and a blessing to the crowd to use two churchy terms is because if I heard that bit, I would go, it's an exaggeration, but I'm not alone. I kind of hate my girlfriend's friend, Tina, or whoever it is, and that unifies me and makes me feel okay with it. And maybe even ultimately it makes me relax a little bit. Maybe I don't have to like Tina. It's okay. I can still love my girlfriend and not love Tina, Mm -hmm. Um, even though that's like a negative thing. When... It's so I'm saying like dark topics, a murder song or or a song about how you might be going to hell could still be in the positive spectrum, even though they might be lyrically a little dark. I I mean I guess I they they sound they like the soloing and the instrumental part of of, of where I come from is generally very happy and traditionally right. the lyrics are very very dark. But the um like the bigger picture of of light versus dark is 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 a question. It's not you can't have any either either exclusively. I feel like right. So you're okay with a little cinnamon swirl of dark? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's I th- what I mean. You, well, that's you, why you won't notice the, the other if if right. Fucking a, Jesus! Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> you're making a lot of really beautiful points. The song "Lock and Key." I was like, oh, this is a perfect song. Mm. I'm going to befriend Sarah. We're going to become really good friends, and she's going to play it at my wedding. And then I was like, the third verse or whatever. I was like, well. That ruined that a little bit for me. I'm not even sure if I fully understand the song. I haven't like looked at a write out right. of the lyrics, but it does take this really somber turn. But why is that one of my favorite songs? You know what I mean? Like it's not just Disney. It's right. not just everything worked out. No, nothing worked out in that song. It's, is that what it is? It's uh, it's it's um, it, yeah. It it's basically falling in love and and being um, being on the same page. This like everlasting love kind of thing. And then, for whatever reason, time goes on. One heart turns, and um, in the meet, it just ends with um, the 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 singer, me, I suppose, uh, saying that like, my love's still under lock and key. Like, I can't, we can't do anything about it. Like, I'm still right. being captive, <laughs> but you don't, you're not there anymore. Yeah. So that's the that's that lyric. <laughs> yeah, but I just I got kind of that's just describing it. That's such a such a heavy topic. Yeah. But then you put it to music. Now now we're in child choir territory. That's some heavy <laughs> shit. That's a heavy bomb to drop. Do you so when you write a song, you're married. Mm-hmm. When you write a song like that, are you imagining this? Is this my a t- husband is this would like everyone question? to know that song is not about him. Yeah, I know. It's not. It's it's a it's about a different relationship that uh-huh. not even a romantic relationship. It's oh. about like just a, the bigger picture of falling out of favor with someone. Okay, was the inspiration behind that? And then, as I was trying of going through my thoughts on the subject, it um, it just sort of took some of the some of the words that came up on the subject sent me in this direction of 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 like a. Of a, of a of a marriage yes in in years gone by that's beautiful and completely understandable i hope i wasn't asking an obvious no question. no no i don't I, want to be obvious not here. at all no but it, you know nobody I, no, nobody's asked me about these kinds of oh, things oh really so, yeah no i'm happy to talk well I, and then you know the uh what is the one i'm making it too easy is it be there that's the other tragic sad song on there the it's one really says, slow no the one that's yeah, he's got me in the back of his mind Oh, yeah. um, oh, too much. Yeah, it's not on that record. It's on you. Uh, no, wait. it can't be. 
back of his mind. He's got me in the back of his mind. I've been making it. Oh, when it pleases you. Yeah. I'm going to keep saying, for you. I'm just a horrible That's a Dan Wilson. I didn't write that one. Dan Wilson wrote that song. He's a very popular songwriter. Very great songwriter. I can see why. It's a great song. Yeah. And that song... He he very generously put his blessing on me recording it before before he did. Yeah. Um. But I love that song, and I used it because I sang it because I it's nothing that I would write, but I really I thought it. There's a great. I would like to say it. So yeah. that's the perfect cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. There, I'm again trying to bring it back to what I know. Just the idea of writing bits where you're kind of imagining a situation based on something where you can tweak it, like take a friendship relationship mm-hmm. like you did with Lock and Key, and then imagine. What yeah. it would be like as a marriage, and then writing it that way, uh-huh. not necessarily. What it, what is the writing process like? I was going to ask you because, like, <clears throat> for me, a little turn of phrase or saying something perfectly or saying something in conversation, and then you write it down. Mm-hmm. Are you writing down lines? Are you sitting down to write? I, I really don't know anything about songwriting. It happens differently. Um, sometimes, occasionally, it will be um, it'll be it'll kind of come out in in a, in a big block. But usually, I have to fight with with a lyric for a little while to figure out what I want to say. Mostly because. I beat around the bush a lot. So what what a common thing for me would be like to write without worrying about lines or or just or, or um, rhymes, but just like write out what I want to say, like mm-hmm. what's going on, what uh, all the different angles that are that are like, creating this anxiety or whatever it is inside me. And uh, almost like a journal entry, and then somehow. So it starts with. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it starts with some sort of itch. Like some, an, yeah, right? start, exactly. Typically, yeah. yeah. Um, and Isn't that then, weird if we could bottle that feeling? Because I, I know what you mean. I, it's the same thing with comedy, where you go, "That's a bit," or, yeah. you, or you, there's something almost. And boy, I spent most of my life waiting for that feeling. Mm-hmm. I just had no passion in my life until I was, I think, like 28, and then like finally something sparked, Isn't and that I was funny? like, yeah. "Isn't that weird?" I, I remember I had this old journal. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting. <laughs> Do it. I, I remember writing down envying singers that would be like screaming and and were just emoting so much in their music. Yeah. I'm like, I don't feel that way about anything. I'm just a shit in college. Yeah. I don't care about anything that much. Yeah. And then you start getting, like you said, that feeling, that anxiety where you're like, I have to express I didn't this. realize it was anxiety at first. And it's not always anxiety that I write songs from, but like just as my personal life, I didn't realize... I did. I misdiagnosed myself a couple of times where I, I thought it was like this gut feeling that mm-hmm. people always be like, "Oh, you'll know. You'll get this like gut feeling. Like, what the heck is that? A gut feeling that you need. A to write gut a feeling song. like, Lord, like you need to write a song. You need to make a life choice, or you need to, like something's not right, or whatever." And I'm like, "What? What is that? You know?" Yeah. And and I misjudged. I, like what I then realized later was was uh, like just an anxiety of like a fear of like not knowing something. Hmm. So I'd be like, "No, I'm not going to do that because." I've got this gut feeling, and right, then right, I realized right. down the road, like, oh right, that was it. I was just afraid of right. of of this thing that I hadn't experienced before. Right. I think we insulate. I think the feeling of being at a crossroads, like if I I, I often in my own life will say, if someone were watching the show of my life, if mm-hmm. I was on a Sopranos type show where it's like one character and you see all of his life, yeah. it would be so obvious why I was angry, why I was anxious, what I needed to do, what I could do. But when you're in it, I think you're a little insulated. I think you're packed in a little bit of styrofoam. And I often have a hard time diagnosing going, this is a big moment in my life or whatever it is. I don't even, it doesn't even feel that way. Big moments don't necessarily feel like big moments. Things you should write songs or bits about, I don't think necessarily feel like things you should write songs or bits about, Mm -hmm. sometimes until like years later. Yeah. Is that, is that feeling okay? I think I think you're right. Like, well, sometimes you don't you don't necessarily know what you think about something, right? Until 
hindsight. You've gone behind it. You've gone. You've gone beyond it. I need about six months. Yeah, you need to process it a little right. bit um, to figure out how it, how your theories are going to play out. Right. And, right, right. and everything. But, so you get you get the itch, and then so like, you like, write it out. One time I wrote a song uh, all this time on my first record that it started uh, like ending a relationship, or realizing that that I was sort of using it as like the standard relationship, but that I needed to to I finally this last conversation had just been like nope done, and I texted my friend a line just just a, a my best friend just texted her this this thing. About can how you, I felt. Can you say what the line is? I feel like the wind just came and blew all the crumbs away. I feel like I finally broke up with this memory. Oh. And so I just cried for several hours. And then uh, <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to look back at that line because I, <laughs> I, think, I think I liked that text. And so I looked at the See, text. See, that's what I'm saying. This TV show. And then show I was like, okay. And then I. be so uh, obvious. Of course. She cried about the text for two hours. Right. Not write, about the text, but about the, yeah, yeah, about yeah. the thing. But then other times it, they'll just be um, like you and me. The one song you're talking about before, it I had this idea of who we are as, you know, these different people in different stages, and I sort of like played the idea off a couple of different friends to see if it's like, like yeah, I kind of like that idea. Mm-hmm. And then I was on tour with um, Garrison Keillor of all people, Prairie uh, Companion. They've I been love the G Keel. They've been really nice to me. Then he, I, does he have you on the show? I've been on the show a lot. I hosted once. Oh, get out of here. crazy. I'm and, still not caught up on you. And I'm I went on tour. No, but I went on tour with them. Uh, I'm doing more with them this summer, but um, I went on this summer love tour with them a couple of times, which is a non-broadcasted version of the show. So they do a two-hour every... Um, Where he just tells all his racist jokes? <laughs> no. No, not at all. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Oh, he... Um, Don't record this. He has... Uh, so Pram Companion is a weekly live radio broadcast on NPR yes. and they do it out of St. Paul and it's completely live and he writes nearly the entire thing and he'll have musical guests and their sketches and sound effects and everything and it's been going for like 30, 40 years. People either know about it and love it or they have no all. idea about yeah. it. And um, so Prairie Home, so I've been on like the, the broadcast but then this summer love tour was a like a four or five week tour of just cities where it wasn't broadcasted there were a couple broadcasts but mostly it was just for the audience there and it was a longer show and, and more free form and on that tour he would um there was this one song that called uh my love is like a red red rose and he would come back to the chorus and then we sing the chorus and he would then during the verse section walk out into the audience and tell this free form story about some woman in his past hmm. and describe things like her heels in the gravel her high heels shoes in the gravel and and these things these very specific details about their relationship and then he would walk back to the stage and we would sing the chorus hmm. and then he would walk out and do the same thing and there are these three verses that he would do it he didn't do it every night he would only did the song like five or six times but i loved it and i would just sit on this bench on stage and watch him tell these stories and um it's it's just so um, captivating for me to hear storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some of my favorite comedy because I, I I really like being taken for a little bit of a journey, um, and that uh, so so on that tour I started to figure out what I wanted to say in you and me, which was this you know this idea I had had, um, and so I just found these specific moments in my life that were pinnacle. Uh, or represent pinnacle things, and um, so that's how that song was written. Hmm. 
That's awesome. I love Garrison Keillor so much. He's he he's a, up a lot? he's a very unique. The best thing about his monologue. So on 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 the broadcast every week, there's a 20 minute monologue. Yes, and he'll tell the story about the the news from from Lake Wobegon, the the fictional town that he's created, and mm-hmm. and there are these standby characters that he goes to. The best thing about it is he's he's off paper. The whole thing is just spoke it and he's mapped it out i believe mm-hmm. most of the time he's a pretty good idea of what he's doing occasionally he crashes and burns occasionally the story ends and everybody's like wait what <laughs> doesn't happen very often right. but it happens enough for everybody to know that that it's... there's a little bit of of risk there and right. that um they feel like they're sort of in on the story as he's telling it like right that it's being created and told That's the risk you at run. pretty much the same rate and um, yeah, it's it's makes it way more fun. Like right. for me as an instrumentalist, some of my favorite fiddle players will um, not always finish their not always um, they're not perfect. They'll right. crash and burn sometimes. They'll get themselves tied up into a little corner up the neck or, or down somewhere where they don't really know how to get out of it in a logical way. And you that's mean the during best the solo. Part. Yeah, yeah. Like occasionally you'll hear you'll occasionally you'll hear uh, you know the best people just like. I have no idea how to get it. so they'll just you know they'll get out of it and it'll be amazing but it won't you yeah. can tell that they had to they had to kind of right. map it out a little di- differently to that's the to titillation I think that's of the best a solo part. yeah if it was always safe yeah there has to be some sort of and risk. non-risky players make it less interesting and that's something that that I don't like about a lot of music that happens now I feel like there's so very little risk and I'm not in right. on, I'm not in on it I'm not rooting for them right because I know that it's fine well that this is something that comes up on the show but I, I'll bring this up every time because I love it is it's about presence is, is somebody like Garrison Keillor is like honestly this podcast is an excellent exercise in presence whenever I'm trying to be like oh what are we going to talk about next or what are we doing or what was I going to say and I forgot yeah. it it goes back to just being present and being like well fuck what you were thinking about what are you thinking about right now what is what Sarah's saying making me think about right now mm-hmm. and Garrison Keeler is like improvising off of himself mm-hmm. he's trying to just allow things to go the course that they're supposed to go and as well as watching the clock because it's it uh, it's mapped out into segments, right? So because the other stations have to have their breaks. Well, that's where we get. That's and where that's, it becomes. That's the tricky part. That's where it becomes a craft. Mm-hmm. It goes from just being like an art. Like, look, yeah. you want to drink moonshine on a porch. That's where you're actually good at something. That's what like, I'm saying. That, that's hard to be. But good a lot at. of people can tinker around on a fiddle. Or I'm sure you've had mm-hmm. moments alone where you're just wherever you play. Uh, I'm I'm picturing some sort of weird sloped roof uh, bedroom in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> I love the stereotypes you're creating. I know, but they're all places I've been. Uh, you, you, you're playing, and I'm sure you've done something that was just like, "What the fuck was that?" Like you just, your fingers moved in this way that you've just never gotten them to move totally. before. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, "That was amazing." It's delightful. And then yeah, delightful. And then the idea is to try and recreate. Can you do that at eight o'clock on Saturday? Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's what when push comes to shove, can you can right. you perform? Can you? Yeah. That becomes a craft. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. Yeah. And I, I bet there, there's probably a lot of people that g- given them an infinite amount of time. Like, I'm always trying to think, when am I most creative? When am I most present? When am I most artistic? Mm-hmm. And, like, sometimes I, I'm really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I've noticed a couple things about me. These are the things that make me comfortable and that makes me good. And then we try and manufacture that sometimes if we're shooting something or if I'm doing a live show. But oftentimes you're very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's, like you said, push comes to shove. And it's like, hey, it's time to deliver. These people pay 20 20 bucks for the ticket. Yeah, and that can be the most depressing thing because you're like, why well, I should be I should be a professional. I should be able to right, do this regardless right, of right. of these things. And 
there's a part of me that 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 really wants to be that that person where you know sometimes you know you play for an audience that doesn't want to hear what you what you have to offer right and there's a part of me that that's like I should be able to do whatever whatever right. is reasonable to keep these people like I should have a an hour's worth of like buddy of like buddy holly and tom petty and <laughs> and these songs that will Something please nearly anyone yeah. yeah so like i should have that so that so that i can um okay. at least entertain but then there's the other side of it integrity you, or whatever yeah mm-hmm. but <laughs> um yeah it's you know it depends on, on what what goal you have for the for the evening I well who are you challenging or like how do you want to feel at the end of it i guess because i i have those bits and i'm sure you have i know you have those songs yeah, like you said true. tom petty songs or or some sort of crowd pleasing mm-hmm. thing but like it's, it's how do you want to feel at the end of it like there have been shows where i'm like i've read the crowd i think accurately watching the other acts and i'm like this is the set that would kill and this is the one i know i'll feel really good about mm-hmm. if i at least try yeah. somebody that i really admire is rory scovel told me he'd go on the road and would just do this bit that i just adore about um how the moon sometimes hangs out during the day mm-hmm. it's so funny and then he's like the sun never shows up at night just like hey what are you guys doing <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> so it's just this amazing bit, this incredible thing. And he said that he would go on the road. And I'm not trying to say, like, the road is just this, like, full of, you know, slack-jawed yokels. But he'd go out to places that didn't necessarily give a fuck about the moon hanging out at night. Maybe th- this is their first comedy show. Or, or they'd just really rather hear about what a pain uh, paying a toll is or whatever it is. I'm just saying something a little bit. I'm not looking down on it, but more pedestrian, literally something that everybody does just by virtue of being a human, a little mm-hmm. bit more relatable or whatever. Something for beginner listeners. Exactly. Yeah. An appetizer. Mm-hmm. Rory's going out and serving aperitifs and everybody's mm-hmm. just like, can you just give us this thing? Even though it is silly and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Rory would go out and, and would take this weird pride in eating shit. Like he, <laughs> I, he, and I envy that because I am a, a I little bit that, yeah. pragmatic. I have some Tom Petty things, you know what I mean? And yeah. I will do them because I really want to do well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you want you want people to have to leave with fond memories of you. But then there's the, the thing like you have say you have 100 people watching you and you know that 80 of them really could just want to hear as a straight ahead meat and potatoes kind yes. of show. And but 20 of them might be inclined or might be intrigued by this odd thing. Yes. So do you want to have 80% of, of a different crowd or get 20% right. of people who will be with Die you? Diehard fans. They'll be fans. Will, and they'll stay with you. And, or 80% which will like take risk. or leave whoever. Mm-hmm. Sarah Watkins one week and That's always the risk. But I, feel like, I feel like generally there's a way to balance that. Like it, not always, but I feel like there's a way to do it without alienating Everybody, yes, you know, like one for them, one, one for you, one for them, one for you, one for them. That's exactly right. That reminds me of like when uh, Ben Stiller will do dodgeball or whatever, and then he'll do Greenberg or whatever. Not, not that one is better or worse, but it seems like one is a passion project. Plays to different people, but everybody, like my mother, knows who Ben Stiller is. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? She probably doesn't. (laughs) Can we talk about the arc of a song a little bit? This is one thing that I wanted to. Something that I'm learning about a bit. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about a joke. I'm talking about a bit. And I know you know comedy, so you know what I'm talking about. So we're looking at like about a two or three minute thing. It's very similar to a song. And a conversation I was having with Mike Birbiglia was he's like, you can't just go out and punch them in the face for three minutes. A bit should have some sort of arc. Mm-hmm. And I, I, Mike listens to the show and he'll know that I'm, I'm stealing this point from him or sharing this point that he taught me. Is it like it needs to like go down at points? It needs to come back? It almost has to have this like redemption. Yeah. You know what I mean? And listening to the songs, it seems like you're trying to give it 
a little bit of a journey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Start here. Some songs do start, everybody's playing and it's all in there. And some songs start smaller. Or, yeah. Uh, is that something you are doing on purpose? Is that something you learned how to do? Yeah, I think that's something that, that's good to keep in mind when yeah. you're, especially when you're arranging a song. Yeah. Sometimes it's not in the writing process, but when you're when you're putting it all together. Um, some songs when you when you write them that you have an idea of exactly how they're going to go, the build, like that's all sure. in in there. And sometimes, um, you know, you can figure that out around the the the, the basic of the lyric. Right. Um. I was arranging some songs with some people recently where we don't have any lyrics. We just have the the instrumental arrangements. But the instrumental arrangements are complex enough that we're, we're trying to f- consider what the song's going to be about, how we can get different voices in there and, and mm. build it in a way. That's pretty new for me. Um, but Having the whole song and then trying to go back? Yeah. Like, that's 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 new for me. And um, it's it a fun... It seems more traditional that you'd be strumming and then you try and find the melody first, right? Well, we have a melody. Oh, you do? We have a melody and we have the music. We just don't have the lyrics. Ah. So the lyrics um, will be dictated by the feel of the song, largely. Interesting. And um, It's like the song is writing the song. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's just starting from a different place. So instead of the the, the lyrics di- dictating what the, what the melody is going to be or like what kind of feel it's going to have, mm-hmm. it's going to be a slow song or a fast song or a little like a spooky mm-hmm. thing. Um, instead of that, where we, we have... We, the three of us, uh, collaborate well instrumentally. So that's our that's our that's our foundation, and then hmm. we'll figure out the uh, the rest of it. But um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we yeah, haven't, haven't finished the songs yet, but it's a really great exercise to to uh, to reapproach um, reapproach the process. Yeah, it's you know while you were talking, I was thinking about the parallel between like a song and almost like a movie structure. Typically, am, am I right? A bridge will come. After the second verse, we've heard the first verse, we've heard the chorus, yeah. we've heard the second verse. Certain things you might expect to hear. We've heard the chorus. Yeah. But I, I'm wondering why that is. I, I, a lot of movies are that way. Uh, uh-huh. There's the first act, there's the second act, and then there's some sort of bridge. Like mm-hmm. that's where things really go wrong mm-hmm. or go unexpected, and then it resolves. It mm-hmm. brings it back to the fucking chorus again. Right. You know what I mean? And I Probably think, two choruses. Yeah, probably two choruses. And a tag. <laughs> What's a tag? A tag is like repeating the last line uh, instrumentally or... <laughs> I think it's the same stuff. People love a little bit of, we love resolution Mm -hmm. and we love, I I think that's why uh, pop music is the way that it is. It's like, like I, um, I like the thing, the thing I think about that is, is it's motion. So, uh, you're picking up momentum and then, uh, you know, you pick up momentum. You can, you can either completely change momentum where you can kind of pivot you can start like jumping around mm-hmm. I'm imagining someone running on a trail right now yeah so there is momentum you could like jump in logs and stuff. sure sure and then before you stop you're gonna need to slow down a little bit right whether and that can either be a tempo thing or in a song that can be repeating the chorus like running a little loop or um or just repeating the tag and it's just a little bit of time for your for your um your body and your feet to stay in line and right. come to the end right and that's Kind of what happens musically if if you're following along physically, and I really love that when music um, is is a physical thing, and 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 you're on this journey. And I feel like um, I had the, the the great opportunity to um, to go to a midnight ramble, one of Levon Helm's things when he was still around, um, and 
I was opening for Robert Dolkeen, who was opening for that show. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I got to stand on the side of the stage right next, right behind Levon. And it was life change, like life changing experience. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was glowing for three days. <laughs> and um, he played Rag Mama Rag. And I was transcendent. Like, I, this is this has never happened to me. I'm not a go to a show and dance kind of person. Um, I really can only dance if there's a live band. That's true. But um, I'm always very aware that I'm dancing. Hmm. And this was the first time when I felt completely... I, I, I was a little embarrassed because I had no idea what I was doing. Hmm. I just realized the song ended and I was out of breath. And I was probably like jumping around. Like I have no idea what was happening. But obviously something was happening because yeah. a couple of people were like, people looking. Yeah. But like it was the first time that... I know of that I that I that I was just physically transcended and taken for this physical ride. You got back and, to the first floor of dance, the thing that made dancing a thing. Yeah, where it's like an instinctual thing, and yeah. it feels good, and it's why toddlers bounce right. up and down, and it's like right. there's something about it, and it, that doesn't need to always be what happens with music, but when it does, holy crap, it's yeah. it's. It's a big deal, right? You know, and it over like when it's overwhelming in 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 a joyful way yeah. like that is is hard hard to get sometimes. Right? But like you listen to like Ray Charles, you listen to music that was built for dancing, built for like bodies to feel, right? Um, it, it's uh, and I'm not trying to 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 put down like current dance music or or um. How whatever people do these days, but like, <laughs> but for me, the way that I relate to it is largely with like just this huge groove and yeah. and feel and all these players like these three to five guys like or more and they're all just like trying to find the commonality and the gears and trying to like right. they can like they got these four wheels on a in a board and they're trying to make this thing go somewhere and they find their rhythm and they right. find their sync and all of a sudden everything moves and that is really powerful to and me. The train takes off. Again, the train leaves the again, station. it's a locomotive. It yeah. felt like a locomotive to me. Yeah, I mean, um, it, that that's I really love that. I think that's why people get so offended, and probably it's so painful for you when you have a bad show, and when people hear bad music, because you know what you're aiming for. You're aiming mm-hmm. for that sort of syncing up of everybody in the audience joining in with the music and everything just being transcendent and dancing and not realizing you're dancing and other times you're just like the bass player and the drummer are playing different things entirely yeah. and it's just wrong yeah or, or, and sometimes you can't even identify what it is you yeah. just know that it's not compelling right right right, right. it's very interesting here's here's my last music question and, and then we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna make you uncomfortable I'm just <laughs> kidding I'm joking I'm completely joking um I love your voice. I'm a big voice person. Uh-huh. That's I, that's why I love. I think Tom York has a wonderful voice. I think uh, Caleb from Kings of Leon has really interesting voices. Tom Petty, interesting voices. People that you don't want singing backup. I know you sing backup mm-hmm. in other things, but like I don't really I love uh, singing harmony. Yeah, I, I, I imagine you're wonderful for it, and I don't have a problem with that. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to hear. That's great. That's, that's <laughs> I don't know if you came here for me to validate what you're already doing, <laughs> but it's okay. You can keep doing that. But like to have a lead voice, it has to be somewhat interesting. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we're going to talk about this or if it's just going to be a dead end. But when I listen to you, I'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> we're about to find out. Uh, I'm going to Garrison Keeler it. This will either <laughs> pe- peter out or it'll be great. Uh, peter up because I'm Peter. Anyway, um, the idea. 
when I was in college, there, everybody loved folk music, and I loved folk music. Right. There were all these uh, wonderful folk musicians whose songs I still play on the guitar. Mm-hmm. I think they would be interested to know that. They don't <laughs> even play – some of them I don't even think play music anymore. But when I pick up a guitar, I play yeah. – uh, her name was Erin Dooley. I play an Erin Dooley song. That's which I'm great. just like these, – these people put out their own CDs uh-huh. back when that was like harder to do. Yeah. Like just burning your own CD. And those were albums for me. Those were things that I was like, yeah. I know all the lyrics to those albums. But um, I remember – People like Aaron and, and other – there was a big uh, Ani DeFranco thing happening. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know Ani DeFranco. But now when I listen to Ani DeFranco, I'm like, oh, Aaron kind of sings a little bit like – college Aaron sang like Ani DeFranco. Mm-hmm. This, this is going to the idea of uh, choosing your voice, not, not uh, the way we write but the way yeah. that we sing. You have this style, which is what makes it pleasant. I feel like ha- only having listened to this one album, I could pick out your voice the way that you pronounce certain things and the way that you bend certain words mm-hmm. and the f- emphasis that you put on certain vowels and yeah. stuff. I'm like, oh, that's what she's doing. Is that a thing in music that people are like picking out people's influences and making choices? Yeah. Because I'll okay. Because I'll tell you, I sat down and almost pretty deliberately. Oh, it took ten years. And I'm like, this. I pronounce words like this, and I pick that up over here, and I pick that up over here. Huh. Literally, just the way that I say specific things, like yeah. the way that I'm talking right now, is not the way that I'm podcast Pete talks, which is just the way I normally talk. Is a development. It took ten years. Is a development. The music of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. To alter my voice, to try and keep you interested, to keep people interested, is something that I learned from listening to other people. Right. Other comedians, other speakers, other preachers, mm-hmm. all these different things. And then, so it is a thing in music where you go like, I'm going to lift or I'm not lift. There are definitely reference points. Yeah. Like, cause, and, and some of that can be a tribute. Um, sure. To, to it. Like sometimes if I'm singing a song, if I'm singing a traditional song, uh, say I'm singing a song called Blue Night. It's a classic bluegrass song. Tim O'Brien uh, pretty much owns that song at this point. He mm-hmm. is his version of that song is is um, very hard to beat, and he's been singing it for years. And it's it's like his song now. Mm-hmm. He didn't write it, but it's pretty much his. Hmm. And um, if I sing that song, it will have a lot of Tim O'Brien references to it because sure. that's just how I hear the song now. That that is now. As far as I'm concerned, the melody. That's so funny. When this I, variant that he did is now yes. how I sing it. When I sing along to Frightened Rabbit, I sing with a Scottish accent. I can't yeah, say... It's there, really there's bad. a song where he says dresses, and I, you can't dress... Yeah. I can't say dresses. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of old Irish songs that, that, yes. that have come down to through my world, and... It's it's difficult to to why would separate you? that. So the Sarah Watkins that I'm listening to on this album, you are noticing like when you just sing in your regular voice when you were a child, right. you were kind of influenceless. Yeah, and then that came about. Well, I, um, you know, it's funny because I don't hear the specifics of I don't diagnose like or or I can't pick apart exactly how I say words in reference to other people. Um, I don't know if that's just because I don't want to think that I did that. Yeah. But because um, I'm, I'm sure I have. But but what I have noticed is I think there's less imitation than there was when I was younger. I think when I was younger, um, I was I thought that you could only sing the way that these twenty people sang who I listened to, and so you're picking mm-hmm. specifically. And then as your world broadens, you realize that the boundaries are not nearly as tight as you thought they were, and. Mm-hmm. Mainly, I feel like I grew up a lot in the second half of my 20s. I'm 32 now. I feel like um, I started learning how to sing when I was around 20. Started when I was around 25. And it 
got a lot better in my late 20s. And now I just, I just feel more and more comfortable singing. And um, I think I just feel more and more like myself. And I think that's a personal change. I think that's just people becoming, and this is common, I've, I've heard many women say this, that around 30, figure out how to sing because I think you're also figuring out who you are. Right. And it's such a direct relationship from your voice to, to your person. Yeah. Um, it's hard to sing if you are feeling, it's hard to sing one way if you're feeling oppositely. It's yeah. very, unless you forget it and just try it and try and uh, transcend it. But it's, it's, um, it's so related to, to you emotionally and everything. And, right. um, and I think that, as you become a little bit more stable, your voice might too. And, and you also, at least speaking personally, like the less that I, the more comfortable I was with myself, the more comfortable I was singing and, and being okay with figuring that out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with having a safe place to learn. I also realized that like growing up, like um, when I started playing in at uh, the, the family hour, which is, was my second band for the longest time. I feel like everybody, every musician needs to be in at least two bands not just one you have to be in two because <laughs> it it you need this perspective mm-hmm. so the family hour was my second band and flanny again from largo um told my brother and i like you should do this i don't care if 17 people come you should do it and and please do so we started doing this family hour show and i hadn't done anything like it before and i felt like before um like t- just be technical about it i had been singing to the microphone before. I'd been singing kind of quietly. We had these little in-ear monitors in the band, hmm. and I'd been singing very quietly and he- hesitantly <clears throat> and not trusting myself at all. It had to do with all kinds of other personal things. But um, at the family hour and, and at the old Largo space particularly, you know, it would sell out at 130 people. It's a little club, and I was singing different kinds of songs that I just wanted to sing for fun once, never needed to sing it ever again. Like, mm-hmm. And I'd sing to the... it's a cliche to say it, but I sang to the back of the room mm-hmm. for the first time. And um, there was a lot of really bad singing to the back of the room. But it, what it ended up doing was making me just feel, and and that whole stage in life when I was learning how to do a different kind of show in a different kind of space and also being going through my 20s doing that. It was just this great transformation for me uh, to learn what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And to have the freedom to to do it on a regular basis was just a huge um, opportunity. To do it huge, weekly. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had never given the credit to, oppor- like the opportunity of giving somebody an outlet. Mm-hmm. That's that's like the best thing that you could that mm-hmm. you could do to somebody developing. And it was it sounds like a safe space, which is what we were talking about. Total safe space earlier. Yeah, the idea. No taping. Yeah. No prestige. This was like you know not many people coming to the show but then like musicians and just like learning how to do it and it was uh yeah it it, it was a very had a very big effect on me that's how i feel about my largo show is you go out first of all largo is just like a it's a homey sort of feeling place yeah. it's conducive the piano and the carpet and the light and there's something about a space again it kind of goes back to like a churchy feel but there's something it feels right. Something inside of you can go like, this feels right. And then you feel that contributes to the safe place, the way the audience is laid scene, out. great scene, and I love how the music and comedy is blended. Mm-hmm. I think that's crucial because otherwise it would just get tapped out. But it's right. like alternating crops or something. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, one feeds the other, especially right. because, you know, uh, the, the, the community of, of performers and like loves each other yeah. for different reasons. Right. And, um, it's again, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege to have something like that. I went and saw a music show there and I didn't even, Zach Galifianakis was there and he opened up and mm-hmm. I was sitting in the crowd. And I was like, 
this is bizarre. This is what like so not, cool. Not yeah, it was cool. It wasn't that this isn't working. He did great, mm-hmm. but it, I was just like, this is cool that something like that exists. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the relationship that that Flanny and the club have with the actual performers right. rather than with Everybody's their representation. Happy to do it. It's like people want to come down and try out a few songs and right. they call directly and they come down and, and everybody knows it's going to be a good experience for the <clears> audience. Like, yeah, and the audience has been trained yeah. uh, to expect the unexpected and be game. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's funny how I feel like comedy scenes. I was just talking to my friend Kumail, who uh, Kumail and Emily do the show here, mm-hmm. the live show every week, and I was like, it's interesting to me that every really important part of my life uh, has centered around one space. There's always been one or mm-hmm. two spaces. Again, which is a privilege. When I was in New York, there was Rafifi mm-hmm. and UCB, and here there's Meltdown and places like Galargo. To and have a like, home yeah. space like that is really. We all need those like checkpoints. Yeah, you get to dig in a little bit. Yeah, and then I and, like getting to see you guys, and like I said, I felt like such a fool. But and, and then mm-hmm. we get to do this. This is super fun. I, I, the thing you were saying about, um, I think it's interesting that we both try on so many voices. I get a minute. I get a ninety-minute light. Oh, <laughs> doesn't feel like ninety minutes, right? Yeah. It's going well. Are you okay? I, I'm. I'm great. I'm going to. Um to tell somebody that I will be a little late to uh, to call them. <laughs> okay. And and then everything's going to be great. <laughs> because I want to stay and I had a feeling this that uh, that this was going to happen, so. Yeah. Well, you know, you we can be done whenever. Um send your text, send your text. Yeah. We only I'm going to ask you this last music question or this I'm going to say this last music thing and then we're going to talk about the other two things we talk about. Great. But I'm, I'm here. I'm no, back. no, no. You can. I bet you can listen to this while you're texting because I'm only saying what you're saying applies to comedians back. as well. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. I should oh, have done be it silly. before, and then I was like, "Well, don't be silly at all. Not at all. Safe place." Um, I think something that you said that really resonated with me was the idea, and I think it's 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 a little bit of a paradox is that we try on all these voices, and I was picturing them as like these big, colorful fur coats. Totally, yeah. And then you take them off, mm-hmm. but then a little bit of it stays. But this this place of trying on all these influences actually uncovers the thing that was kind of in you the whole time. We just don't know, we don't know another way to it. So it's the way to the true voice, capital T, capital V, is through trying on all these other voices. Mm-hmm. I Like famously... It's uh, like learning words. Exactly. You can't always articulate how you feel until you learn the word for it. Right. And then, and then you understand it better. So it's this mimicking mm-hmm. that leads to something very uh, uh, genuous, mm-hmm. very very uh, unique to you. And also the thirty thing, Ricky Gervais says a favorite quote of mine says nobody under thir- nobody under thirty is truly funny. Now, huh. I just had Jermaine Fowler on the show. The kid's got to be like twenty two and one of the funniest guys in the world. Uh, yeah, truly funny. I mean, super super funny guys that are under thirty for sure. Yeah. But show me those motherfuckers over thirty, and I bet we're gonna get somewhere. You know yeah. what I mean? Like something really. Special will happen. Yeah. When Ricky says. They haven't reached their peak until their 30s, maybe what he means. The peak, yes, absolutely. And I think when he says truly funny, I think what he says is they, they haven't yet realized that they're not shit, which I think is an interesting perspective to come huh. to, to get broken down a little bit. When you're young and invincible and you're just, uh, you know, dancing on the moon, all of a sudden, when you're 30, you get a little taste of like, oh shit, I'm 30. Yeah. Maybe your perspective changes. Of course, there's exceptions to that rule. Of course, there are. Um, so the other things we talk about are, are uh, we say sex because it's more grabby, and often we do talk a lot about sex. But really, it's comedy, sex, and God. Mm-hmm. Really, it's just craft, yeah, love, and God. So um, you're married. Yeah. We don't have to. You don't have to represent your husband here. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in a lady. You're uh-huh. a lady who's a musician uh-huh. who. Uh, 
you know, tours around and yeah. stuff. And, and I'd like to be married and all that sort of stuff. And I'm interested in who's right for these weird, wayward idiots. You know, I lucked out. Um, the guy that I, that I, that I married is, uh, <laughs> He he toured as a crew guy for his uh, friend's band, uh-huh. like a proper touring, like bus touring, as a guitar tech and friend support thing. And for two years, he did that. And then he also um, has done many other things um, in in like creative creative world. Hmm. And so um, he gets it. So he totally gets it. And the and he um, is not. Um, he was never attracted to the li- the touring life. Uh, which at the time could have was 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 much more attractive than my current status. Like mm-hmm. like he's not attracted by like hanging out on the bus all the time. And so he doesn't like that. He's he's fine with it. Right. But it's not something he's um, threatened by or um, attracted to. Mm-hmm. It's just a reality that he doesn't he, romanticize. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, for dating, sometimes for for women, it can be it can be tricky because it can be threatening. I'm on the bus with you know anywhere from like five to twelve men. Right. Uh, and that's who I spend will spend the next three weeks with is these twelve men, and um, I can think that can very easily be a threatening situation. Yeah. But, um, well, like, you need a special guy that's not jealous or doesn't romanticize. It doesn't. Yeah, see he, you. who gets it as a as a job, right. and that um, I'm sure, and he would love to be be there. He would love to hang out, and he's he uh, he would he would love to to have that opportunity, and we that would be that would be amazing in the future, but. Um, for the realities of, of of his work and my work, it's just kind of what we what we deal with for now. Right. But I mean, it's it can be growing up in it. It was um, I use touring as a way to disassociate myself from emotions. Hmm. <laughs> like I, uh, because you're in a town, different town every night, and um, and and you create these really fast relationships with people because you want to care about them. So like the people work in the venue and the people at the mm-hmm. show, like you know how it is. Like you feel like fast friends or you don't pay any attention to anybody because you have to shelter yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very interesting way to figure out how to have relationships and how to um how to pay attention to your emotional side, you know, when you're hmm. busy like really opening up meaning this like very porous person and then completely shutting down. It is interesting. It's I, I look at it as like it's hyper social. Like mm-hmm. the show is like an hour of talking to a bunch of people and, yeah. and then like I like to meet people after the show so it's aggressively social. Yeah. And then like I'm like if you broke down my you day. You do genuinely like it. Like oh, like sure. that that's it's not like you're acting right. enthusiastic. But no. And then the rest of the day, though, can if you don't work at it, can just be like I slept till three p.m. today. Or oh, totally, it is. absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, and but I've learned I've learned ways to make that healthy um, because there are ways to, like that that can make me depressed if I sure. if I start waking up at sound check time it's two thirty three and then my day my work day starts right on stage at like eight or nine and then you're hanging out with people till like ten or eleven and mm-hmm. then you're that that's your equivalent of five five p.m. so you're mm-hmm. up for another few nights have you have some some dinner some drinks mm-hmm. and uh, go to bed the wee hours of the morning and wake up at three p.m. Right. like that's a that's an easy pattern to get into and it's not uh, one that I that I flourish in. It sounds fun. like as you're saying it, like I can romanticize it a little bit. I can like, too. Can I've, yeah, I've had wonderful, but it, but like but I know that I've done it and I'm like, but that's mature. I'm happier of you. if I wake up at with a few sunlight. hours. 
I need some vitamin D. Yeah, that's right. I need a little exercise. I need to to be by myself and with different people. And I need to have some more hours in before I start (laughs) drinking. Yeah, that's some real grown-up shit. Like, the idea of having a morning, Mm -hmm. like, didn't hit me until about 30. So I've been doing it for four years where it's like, I need to wake up maybe not exactly when I need to leave the room. (laughs) I also, like, I was surrounded by men and by guys my age. These 12 men. And so it's like these 12 men, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was surrounded by, like, my bandmates, uh, my brother, this Chris, uh, who I grew up with, who was... um, Girls talk about guys who are like their brother all the time. This is he is he's my brother, mm-hmm. um, my non blood brother, Chris Thiele, and uh, and then we had a bass player and then crew, and um, so this was my intensive intensive touring, and it's strange because I I start like it's it's sort of like this if you can't beat them join them mentality. So I just I, the way that they maneuvered through touring was kind of what I decided was like oh this is normal mm-hmm. this is how you this is how you meet people right this is how you uh, how much you care this right. is how you uh, disassociate yourself <laughs> and and uh, and this is how you how you what you care about and how you survive right and um, and it took me a while to figure out like. Oh, that's not how I how I want to do it, and it's not necessarily normal because mm-hmm. you get to be this microcosm when you're when you're when you're a band, particularly, and it's so fun. And I love bands. Mm-hmm. I love the little world that gets created and like the tunnel, and like you're just you're focused and you it's, you got pack. Mm-hmm. It's super great, but it can also be um, it can also warp your sense of of the norm sure. and reality. Where where's the boy come in? Which, when did we meet which, him? Your, uh, the, your the, husband. the husband boy. Yeah. Mm. Um, I call him the boy. I I um, I met him six six or seven seven years ago. Uh, friends of friends, mm-hmm. I like parties. So there's this Thanksgiving party at my friend John Emily's house. After Thanksgiving, everyone's you know there's nothing to do after after the lunch. So everyone just brings leftovers, and so I met Todd there, and uh, and then I saw him at a few other events that they were involved in as well, and we'd always just kind of enjoyed talking to each other and hanging mm-hmm. out and then the next thanksgiving night party uh we just sort of were hoping that the other would be there and we kept in touch and, uh, you know uh, my space uh, yeah seven years ago my space yeah, exactly. you were turkey buddies turkey buddies you always eat turkey together yeah, no, and then you talk turkey <laughs> no it was good though it was it was a really it was my first i was home for three months at that point which was the most that i'd been home at a time in like five or six years hmm. so it was like my first real dating experience where um my previous experience was like talk on the phone intensely for like hours and hours a night most nights and then hang out for a week and go through the entire course of a relationship in that week hmm. breaking up at the end of the week and then something else you know right. and so this was the first time where i had the opportunity to be like do it regular are we gonna hang out tonight and then not tomorrow night is that how yeah. it, like that was weird to not like binge right you know yep i'm a big binger yeah it's a, a problem it's a difficult thing to and it's not necessarily that there's this idea of like the dating rhythm that used to happen like once or twice a week and some people still do that and then there's like this let's just be together all the time. Thing. I think people do that. I think it's an extension of Netflix. It's just instant. <laughs> <laughs> 
We just want to be like, I, I have this thing. This but person. some, I don't know if you've noticed this, but some shows, you, you, I, I, they are not meant to be watched that close together. Like yeah. you need the week to digest it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, wow. Not because of the plot yeah. is so intense, no, but just like right. there's like this perceived time. That's well, it was like designed for you to have a little time, and so are people sometimes. Sometimes you hang out, and, and then maybe if you took your time, Peter, you'd realize that crazy thing they said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Instead of just keep rolling the snowball down the hill. Well, yeah, that's totally. great. So, how long have you been married? Five years, almost five years. That's for yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty great. I, great. I, um, Is that who's bothering you? Not at all. No. No, I meant. I just meant texting. No, and nobody's. Uh, this is no, no. My, I Sarah, had an interview. That's not what I was doing. I had an interview later. You canceled an interview. No, I just said call me later. Okay. It's. It'll be fine. I believe it. When is it? Noon. Yeah. Uh, I think so. <laughs> but it'll be fine. Well, let's talk about God and we'll be done. No, I mean, don't don't rush for me. Oh, I'm not rushing. Okay. Things feel good. I feel great. I could look at the notes, but it doesn't matter. I got sunshine, good versus evil, fella. I just wrote down fella. Fella. That was to remind me to ask you about your fella. So I'm going, so he's not in the music industry. He's in a band called Holy Fever, but they um then they tour they What does he play? He's a, he's the front man. He is? He's the front man. With I did so hard to not date musicians and specifically not front men. Uh, and then I married a guy who became the front man. Specifically not front men. That's something people say. Oh, that's I'm horrible. off musicians and fuck front men. Oh yeah, it's front men is is usually a, the rule and then and then musicians is like a secondary option. I have to imagine bass player pretty good catch. Probably. I mean Mysterious. Doesn't need the spotlight. Exactly. There's... Doesn't really take a solo. Mm-hmm. Well, in bluegrass, don't, don't do they? They do uh, in jazz. Ideally, no. Yeah, I'd rather not. Yeah, we don't. We <laughs> yeah, hope not. Yeah. yeah, there's like there's a whole stigma attached to everybody. Is there really? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Give it to me real quick, drummer. Well, I, well I mean, there, there are there are a few different options. <laughs> okay. There are a few different options, but there's a lot of type A drummers. There's a lot of like party your drum. I, I, uh-huh. I mean, there there are a few different. I can't I can't really name it down to, to, to sure, one thing. Sure, it's sure. Front men are typically. Um, they, they they suffer from the audience laughing at everything that they say because yes. they love them, yes. and they're often very good looking, and they think that they're good looking, and right. they think that they're that they're entitled. It's just a very selfish. Like, well, they're the mouthpiece. They're you. I often think that's really weird. It's like, what are the chances that the person that can sing is also the most interesting person? Yeah, it's true. Like with the with the a lot na- of times, like if the guitar player writes the songs, right. That's interesting, right? Because it, you're like, oh, okay, so they oh, they have this team. They're the team. Like Oasis. Mate. <laughs> How'd you know that's what I was thinking? <laughs> but I mean, like, I love the national and I love that guy's voice, but then the lyrics, I find the lyrics really, really great. What are the chances? Like, it, how come he's the interesting one and he can sing? But I mean, mm-hmm. like, if you are, I yeah. have to think that kindles like a big ego. And you're the one that I think everyone's cheering. A lot of times you need, like, it, it maybe, know your name. maybe they're not even egomaniacs, but there's a personality that gets developed to become the person that right. is a good frontman. Right. Like to to do that you have to teach yourself what um what good frontman behavior is, which is often like leading a crowd to do like leading yeah. a huge crowd of people to do something. Right. And um I mean I heard somewhere this is this is silly, but I heard somewhere that that um that Bono, when he goes home, that he has to like, like go someplace else for a couple of weeks because I've said that family. on the show. Oh, really? I've said, I've, I, I, because he needs to come down. Yeah, like you become a person, and then I'll talk to you. Like that's that's and most people coming home from tour. That's Sarah. That's how for I am me. after a show. Kumail and Emily are good friends of yeah. mine, and one of the reasons is is because they can handle high Pete. I did a show with them, <laughs> and I got off stage, and I'll just tell them I'm like. 
I'm high right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you need to know that you're talking to the I guy. I hate seeing friends at my shows because I'm not the same person. Uh, I'm like, I <laughs> because like, in which way? Are because you I'm more... like, I'm just, I'm a hostess at yeah. that point. Like basically doing a show is like, put, like having, I always felt like it was even before I was married. It's, it's like getting married every night. So mm. you have all these guests and you invited them and you want them to have a good time. And you're, there's this, this presentation. Yes. And you greet them after the show and, and it's wonderful. And, and, and it's, but, um, um, it puts you in this high energy space that your friends don't necessarily see you with when you're having breakfast. Absolutely right. And you're, my job then is to entertain even afterwards. Right. And they don't want to be entertained by me. They right. want to have a conversation. Right, right, um, right, right. So I don't, I don't like to see my friends after shows. But right. they know that. My parents even are just like, cool, see ya. Right. I, I need people that can understand mm-hmm. that mode. It doesn't mean it's not false or put on. Yeah. It's just kind of like after the show, you'll get little glimpses of the ego yeah. that allowed that man to preposterously go out in front of a crowd and be like, everyone listen to me yeah. for an hour. And after the tour, I, um, it takes me, it used to take me a couple of days to, to re-enter normal yeah. life. Yeah. Well, that's good. That means you're an empath. And I think that, I think that's necessary. Empath. You're, you're picking it, you know, from, uh, the root of empathy, the idea that you're feeling how they're feeling yeah. so much that it kind of gets into your blood like a drug. Yeah. And you could look at that shallow and be like, oh, you need other people's affirmations. It's like, no, I kind of look at it as a privilege that I get off on what I do. Like, I really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And I look at it not like a wedding, but there is something, there is an event happening that everybody's- You're hosting a party. Something's being hosted. Mm -hmm. And if you do your job, then they feel really good too. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. I love that. Well, good for you. You're, Thank you. You're married to a front man. It's really funny. Does he wear a red velvet he pants? He screams. Does he have no. a tambourine? No. No. They're like a, they're like a they're, you might like them. I mean, I, I, I might um, dis, mis, miscategorize. They're all old hardcore kids. Okay. And uh, the stuff they do is a little bit a little bit more poppy in that there's like there's a, a Sam Barbera sings as well. And so my husband screams a lot and, and then he sings. Wow. Um, and uh, they're, they're good. I love, I actually really like Holy punk favorite. rock and uh, yeah. I used to love hardcore stuff like that. It's, it's, it's pretty great. I mean, it's been funny. Um, it's, it's been fun seeing them, like seeing him like strategize what, what he is on stage and everything and like the screaming and yeah. everything. It's just so not my world and yeah. I, I, I love it. It's, it's great. He must feel great. <laughs> he loves I it. I really do. Like sometimes really... I have to scream for work like a sketch or something yeah. or a pretend song or uh-huh. whatever it is. Whatever gives me permission yeah. to scream or be silly. Uh-huh. And afterwards I feel the effect so much. That's yeah. what I used to do when I was a kid. You'd go to a punk rock show and scream along Yeah. and you're letting out some, it's primal scream therapy. Yeah, it's great. But he's a very calm, chill guy. He's not, I mean, He's, or, or at least he feels okay. He's yeah. He's 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 good. He's good. Um, yeah. He's he's funny. Here's a weird question that I think of every time. Like I literally listen. funny. He's, he's, oh, he's a funny he's, fella. He's a very funny person. Oh, good. That's great. Yeah. He gets he gets the cosmic joke. That's what we said. <laughs> Some people either think all of existence is funny or. They never would even think about what else would there be other than existence. But some people seem to be in touch with the idea that just being is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. And some people would never, ever stop. I was really bored at dinner last night. And I was sitting with this person who's who's a friend of a friend. I was just really bored. And to, like, really kind of pass the time, I considered that she has a heart and she's in her body and mm-hmm. she doesn't know what she looks like i'm looking at her way more mm-hmm. than she looks at herself and she, like what her voice sounds like encased in her head mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff that to me is cosmic jokes or sort of stuff <laughs> but i i got the feeling that she never would have ever considered that i was hearing her voice differently and i was encased in myself do you ever imagine what people look like without noses that's an interesting idea. Or without some, like, I used to always, like, as a kid, <laughs> I used to, like, go, like I remember being at the grocery store, like, Lucky or uh, Albertsons or something, 
and just um just imagining what people would look like with like the teller would look like without a nose yes it's, it's interesting like not even no 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 not, like i don't know if they would have like just some exposed holes or if it would just be like some other no breathing nose. capacity yes. somewhere else maybe just, just flat across kind of like pan's labyrinth <laughs> they often a lot of those weird characters don't have noses. That's all we've removed, and yeah. they look like weirdos. Yeah, I will. I'll submit to you, Sarah, that uh, Ray Ban sunglasses uh, look badass and whatnot, and have a strange appeal to them because they simulate eye sockets. It's what you, it's what your face looks like if it oh, were a I skull. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's always it's always right there. Uh-huh. The idea that we're stuck inside of bodies, and yeah. when you put on something, when you smoke a cigarette that goes, I don't care that this thing is going inside of me, or you wear sunglasses, anything yeah. that's kind of like I'm just a skeleton. You know what I mean? That's funny. Yeah, isn't that wild? I like that. Here's a weird question that I didn't think I was going to ask you, but we're getting along. Uh, your voice is. Have you ever considered? Would it be slumming it if you were you? Would you take a Disney role if you were offered it? You oh, could yeah. sing. I could see you, Absolutely. and I didn't know if that was an insult. There's a certain uh, – some of the songs on the album, I'm like, if this song were in a Pixar movie, mm-hmm. I would bawl. Do you know anyone <laughs> at Pixar? <laughs> well, honestly, one of the reasons I ask is because, like, who knows who listens to the show? And I was like, this is the voice. This is the voice. And I didn't know if that was insulting. Not at all. No. Yeah. No. I, I would love to do that kind of stuff. I, I I'd like to try everything, really. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think that I love what you're doing right now, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But if you were in, you know, Tangled or whatever, I don't know, I would love it. That's, I think I think there's something. I would to love the voice. it as well. Yeah. Well, that's some <laughs> that's some stay stay with Todd off the road money right there, or that's but get better gear and stay on the road, yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to do. Well, let's talk about God. I love talking about God. Do you have? Do you, it seems to me. It's interesting how you kind of feel like you get to know a person when you listen to a CD. The last track on the album, Break Ground? Take Up Your Spade. Take Up Your Spade. It's mm-hmm. funny to guess what someone calls a song. Well, the, the next line is Break Ground. Break Ground, So you yeah. were, you were there you nearly go. there. <laughs> well, that song is wonderful. It feels, um, it's a little bit like an anthem, and it feels very in line with how I kind of feel about God. Mm-hmm. In that there's a verse, it also reminds me of old Quaker songs, songs that oh. we used to sing uh, as a weird Quaker school, mm. but talking about like giving thanks and being grateful and all that sort of stuff feel, felt informed to me by mm. some sort of religion or church. I'm not sure if that's true. How are you? How are you raised? Uh, raised Christian. Regular Christian. Um, I mean, I, and I say that I say that with the, I like mean fairly fairly. Um, I, I know, like that's yeah. We didn't go to church regularly at oh, you all. Didn't. Really, no. You were freestyle. We were freestyle. I love a freestyle. <laughs> freestyle, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just pretty much um, did our own thing. Fear of hell or love of God? Which one are we going? Uh, love it, of God. How was it framed to you? It was framed of more God. of a loving yeah, thing. Very much framed by the 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 generally ob- uh, understood thing in my house was like. The hell's not a thing. Really? This is not. This is not. This is not. This is not the focus. I love that. Um, lots of yeah. So we would go to weekly Bible studies um, with my parents' friends and like really? and like uh, they would lead kids. them. No, it wasn't a leading thing. It was just like getting together and hanging out, talking it's about stuff. gabbing about God. Yeah, like reading. Like generally, we would take a book of the Bible and just read through it and talk about it. And there were several generations and people would just discuss like different takes or things that they'd heard things that they liked things that they relate this to hmm. and just kind of an open conversation and that was so much the the standard that that i haven't really uh, identified with any churches um and for a lot of different reasons sure um but um but the intimacy of of those conversations and of 
the freedom of just not having to worry about really questioning anything. Like you can, you just, could question whatever. Yeah, you like to. and as a kid, I remember being like, well, "What about? Why doesn't this? Why isn't this with this? Mm-hmm. This doesn't make sense." Mm-hmm. And sometimes I was given answers that I felt like were a little bit of a cop out, and sometimes um, I was, you know, we would we would continue talking, which I thought was a, was a really huge validation for like a you know a 10 year old to bring That's something great. up and then have a, people expand on that it was really it was really great yeah so I, I, had, I had good experiences with that i'm so happy to hear that that makes me very glad hmm. i had that feeling of loading a question into some sort of supercomputer and an answer coming back right you know what i mean whereas i've gone completely the other way now i, th- I think my parents had ex- that experience in yeah. church which is why they didn't go well that's what we were saying that you could have the bad out. parents and, and mirror it or you could rebel against it in a positive way yeah I love that. Yeah, they all they they all had like really real uh spirit like very real experiences with God and um that was so I don't think that that was what a question. Like just you know everyone uh, a lot of people have stories of of their personal moments that they won't forget. Like this was very real for me and I've like I've had experiences like where you feel like a, a presence or a um a family feel or, or something that 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 inside you that vibration not a no just like a a compelling thing like just like a like something that you you can't really ever deny and it's not something you have to define or put into words it's just like oh this means something to me right um and i think why let why i'm you know why let go of that if you don't need to and they'd rather bail on the stuff that doesn't make sense right Bail on that instead of allowing those feelings that moment to be. Yeah, yeah. Is that where you are now? It sounds Mm -hmm. like there would be no reason to stop doing that. Yeah, it is where I am now, and and it's um, the older I get, the I I love having a really diverse group of friends who um, continue to to challenge things that you know everyone has these things that become little fossils in you, little understandings of like oh, but this is this is a rule. This Mm -hmm. is how how it is. Always, Mm -hmm. always, always, and. the wider my group of friends are, uh, the the more I I find those things and just be like, oh, that doesn't need to be there anymore. Right, right, right. right. That's been taking up space for like twenty years, and right. it doesn't mean anything. Right. So, um, it's I really enjoy having those things worked on a little bit, and and uh, in realizing that I'm a better, I feel like I'm a healthier, I have a healthier spiritual life because of it. Yeah. Because of other people and, and yeah, because of just like contrast, yeah, and having to not having to know everything and not having to. Are we praying to Jesus? I typically pray to God. Okay, going direct to the Lord, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I there there are things that I that I. I yeah. I'm just wondering what uh, what container you're putting it in, just just for lack of a my follow-up question. because my um, because my my upbringing is is Christian. That's the lens that I use. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. Um, I I I think there's wonderful things. You don't think the guy praying the to Krishna is a dum dum? Everyone has has their their lens and right. the way that they relate to things, and yeah. and you can't help that, and that's doesn't I don't I don't care. <laughs> that's fine. I think that's perfect. I think that's um, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fine. Great. It doesn't really affect the me at all. And you uh the other question I love to ask is do you give thought to an afterlife or some sort of extension of this consciousness? I I don't have any reason. You know, I don't, haven't really felt like I have to let go of that yet. <laughs> let go of what? Of an afterlife thing. You but want I an don't afterlife. I don't think that it's an I've I've never there's there's no pearly gates, there's no clouds, there's no up in the sky. That's not right. it for me. It's right. like either there's a spiritual existence or there's not. And 
we that if if there is, then it's going to sound really new agey and and invisible and and all these things that that are very unlikely um, sounding. But um, I think there's if there's a spiritual thing, then there's a spiritual thing. Right. So I don't have any reason to discount it, but I don't think that there's like name tags and pearly gates and all that. I mean, that's Albert like Brooks. it's amazing these images that we have ingrained yeah. in us that just sort of like probably well, those are fossils. Yeah. And those are extra biblical, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just like, yeah. I mean, they're a way to describe something. Right. To people who don't have any way of understanding. Like, right. You know, we need ways to understand things. Sure. But, um, yeah, that's that's never been a. a if you only have a minute, if it's, it, a lot of that stuff, a lot of those beliefs feel like you're on a subway and the doors open and there's some people you want to talk to on the platform and you only have like 10 seconds before yeah. the doors close. And you're like, heaven, pearly gates, uh, God, name tags. Hell, devil, food. be good. Don't forget the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the door is closed. Mansions. <laughs> Probably pets, right? Because you need pets. Yeah, well. It, it's just, it's funny. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's just, I think, like, you know, we're, we have a lot more spare time on our hands to consider all these details and how we want to, how we want to, like, uh, use a fine pen around and draw nice little lines and everything. Right. But, you know, that's a luxury we have now. But That's right. Hundred years ago, and from then, you know, you're, be dead. You're, you get to spend one day <laughs> hanging out with people and telling stories that you can remember, right? And um, in a way that's memorable, and it's a bunch of people, yeah, finding ways that they can maybe, you know, and fucking a, yeah, telling you have one day with some people and you tell a story that's memorable. It needs to. I, I, I the way that um, when I'm home, I last weekend I was my birthday, and I just wanted hey, the whole day. Birthday. Thanks. I was trying to get there earlier, but <laughs> no, I um, I just wanted to work in the yard because I haven't had much time to invest in the house, and and um, so you know worked in the yard, took out this crabgrass stuff where we can. It's ridiculous. It's horrible. This weed, and so um, I am picturing your house correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Weeds, absolutely. And then I took a nap under the peach tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, there. Uh, but I love working in the ground. I love, um, I love dirt. Thinking about life in that, in like the plants, crops, working in the ground. That analogy works really well for me with mm-hmm. life and like. Um, What's it where a lot of the like religion changed once we started planting? Agriculture, yeah. yeah. That's where we got all this resurrection and the seed coming back. And, oh yeah, and what great imagery! Yeah. I mean, like, oh, it's beautiful. I yeah. love that stuff. Yeah, and I can, I really um, like if I'm. Digging around in the ground, and like one thing that I was thinking of recently was, um, so you know, you transplant from a little pot to, to the ground or a bigger pot, and a lot of times plants get root bound, and that means that you know the roots are in the shape of the pot, and if you're going to plant them, you have to break up the roots. Hmm. You have to like a lot of times you'll just take a shovel and just cut off the bottom of the roots, just tear them open so that they can reach out and and do stuff, and and it might feel like you're hurting the plant, but if you don't do that, then they're really just going to grow into the ch- into themselves, and mm-hmm. they won't stretch out. But I love the idea that, like, once you take something out of a confined space, that you have to break, you have to like tear it up and break it up so that it will grow to um, take advantage of the new open ground that mm-hmm. it's in. And like those kind of things, I just I love those. Well, that analogies. sounded like they a sermon work, analogy. I mean, it really did. Work, it works really well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, those that way of understanding life in general and not necessarily a spiritual it could it it fits it fits me getting out of my comfort zone in many ways it fits um you know any time that you have to change jobs or or hang out with um you know people you don't want to hang out with right 
Um, That's God shaking your roots a little bit. Yeah, like disturb. It's disturbing things, and right. and the idea of having to like break something or um, to to make it stronger and to know better than it. You yeah. know what I mean? You're like, this plant doesn't know why. <laughs> it's probably like, just let my roots be. And you're like, I'm doing something yeah. for your own good that you could never understand because yeah. you're a plant. And that's the six months thing that you were talking about. Six months? Where you're like, I need to go through. I need to be six months oh, beyond yeah. it to yeah, look that's back. Right. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, but so like, I like those I like those analogies for, for I think life. they're right there for you. That's why I feel like, you know, if we eradicated everything except a couple of children in a thousand years, we'd have the same <laughs> stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Couple I mean, babies. These, yeah, you, you know, you, the, the, the natural rules of, of the world, that's how we yeah. relate to things. But getting back into, I don't think a lot of people, or I'm going to speak for myself, I don't think I'm doing that sort of thing enough. And, and that's why there is something about nature and there's something about mm-hmm. working with your hands or even just building things. Or, you know, for yeah. me, it's like, uh, there's something nice about you guys write songs and you hold guitars. You know what I mean? Even mm. just the thing of stringing a guitar or a fiddle. <laughs> there's so much that's not tangible in the world now. I, I know. It's, it's, it is satisfying to to have this physical relationship with yeah. something. Well, that's why I am the best uh, appreciator and best consumer of this podcast because I'm the one that got to look at a person and feel a table and breathe the same air and have molecules exchanging and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the rest of the time, and I'm not putting it down. Did you say you? Yeah. <laughs> and then the rest of the time, it's just this ethereal podcast. What yeah. is that? It's just a recording that's floating. People are streaming it. It doesn't. It's nowhere. It's on Katie's recorder. So break up some roots, Sarah. <laughs> Fucking a. Great stuff. Let's get you to your interview. What's that for? I don't know. You don't want to talk about it? No, it's like a paper for the tour that we're doing. Uh, oh, it's like a, a promo interview. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, stay on the good roll that you're on because this was wonderful. Thank you for having me. I we, really appreciate of it. Of course. I'd be your first musical guest. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm thrilled. It was a no-brainer seeing you play and then listening to the CD. I, I, I honestly, I'm having a moment, <laughs> felt very privileged that I was like, I can get this person on the phone and have her come in and do the show. It's, it's a wonderful life. It's a great thing. Thank, so you, thank you so much. We end the show with the guest saying, keep it crispy. It, it doesn't mean anything really. But it, <laughs> it, it, it also means, it means everything. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just silly. I'm not trapping you is what I'm saying. But if you would say keep it crispy, that'll be the end. Oh, you, okay, absolutely. Yeah. Keep it crispy. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for being here. Sun, Midnight Sun. I've never had to say that. The album is Sun, Midnight Sun. It's available now <laughs> on iTunes, and there's no H in Sarah. Thanks for doing it. Thank you. All right, bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 